Hey guys, exciting announcement. Vile Files is expanding to two episodes per week starting August 12th. It's going to be amazing. Every Monday, we're going to be doing the Q&A portion of our show. More questions with fans, more interesting topics, more relatable content, more conversations. It's going to be exciting. Wednesdays are staying the same, minus the Q&A. Great guests, great topics. Two episodes a week. We couldn't do it without you fans. We'll see you August 12th. I listened to the episode, and... It really frustrated me uh, in terms of the things that Jed said. And then going into this episode of Bachelor in Paradise and we right. have the Blake stuff, this whole like fuck boy yes. mentality. And again, what's interesting, we talk a lot about on the show about uh, being sex positive. We've had we've talked about fuck boys with the, the call her daddy women. And listen, if you want if guy or girl, if you want to have sex have sex yeah if you want to be in a relationship be in a relationship yeah. it all comes down to communication and upfront expectations mm -hmm. and not saying one thing and doing another right if you want to like be single and have a bunch of sex you don't get to hang out with someone and say well i don't want to listen i don't we're not dating mm -hmm. we're not dating but oh by the way I have a family reunion <laughs> next week and my parents would like, they invited you and they would love you to go. Uh, and I, oh, by the way, I love you. And there's this trip coming up and like, and you confuse the shit of that person, but people do it all the time in dating. They're, that's the problem. That's how fuck boys or even fuck girls because, you know, women can do it too. Men are more guilty of it, I would yeah. say. But like, and also like the whole Jed stuff, I don't want to spend too much time on Jed anymore, but at the same time, like, if I don't think there's many people, but... I, all he has done since AFR is proven that he's not sorry. Right. Uh, he, his his excuse has been first, you know, he get called he get called out in the breakup, and he's kind of like he looks annoyed. And his excuse was, "Well, I thought we were on the same page, but apparently we weren't." Which is basically like saying, "I'm sorry I hurt you." Yes. Or I'm I'm sorry you're hurt. The worst kind of not not I'm sorry I hurt you. Jed's basically like, well, I'm sorry she's hurt, and for that I'm sorry. And then he goes on AFR and he's just like hoping that Hannah will forgive him, and he's like, I just will be, I'll do anything to be a better man for you. So he's saying I'm sorry. He's saying he needs to be a better man. And since then, he's gone on these interviews and done podcasts and completely backtracked his statement back to the. Oh, well, I listen, I thought we were on the same page. Now, Rachel did a good job playing bad cop. A Allie, obviously, was the, the good cop here, and I didn't necessarily agree with things that necessarily uh, Allie was saying, but the one question they both missed is, fine, Jed's like, all right, well, uh, I thought we were on the same page. You know, I was wrong, and I, uh, that I apologize. Okay, really? Here's the one question they didn't ask. Okay, Jed, well, you've confirmed that you've said I love you to her. Uh, you confirmed that you went on trips with her. You've confirmed that you had sex with her the night before you went on the show. You've confirmed that. <laughs> Give us some examples, maybe just one, of what you've done or said to her that would make you believe that you two would be on the same page. Right. Give right. us one. Because th there's none. Other than saying, well, we talked about all the possibilities. No, you mind-fucked her into thinking that this was for the show. And you, you try to hedge your bet by saying anything can happen, but then you confused her by saying, I love you. Mm -hmm. And then Jed had this excuse about, it's like, oh, no one's going to believe me. But the text about meet me at the dock, guys, just so you know, 
that wasn't a real doc. It was a metaphor for doc. some sort of meditation thing. Um, and then Allie and Rachel were like, oh, why don't you say this? I'm listening being like, <laughs> what the fuck difference does that make? Did anyone in the world think this was an actual doc? That this Haley girl was going to like just be standing there for two months and just fucking camping out while Jed's doing whatever and that he got off the show? Of course it was a metaphorical doc. It also makes it 10 times worse. It's like the whole idea he's going on this trip and it's saying like it could dock clouds, meet me in the clouds, whatever. He's basically saying when I'm gone in your mind, imagine us together in this place. Yeah, spiritually. That, yeah, whatever. It's a it's a Machiavellian manipulative tactic that people do and it's fucked up and that doesn't make it better. It makes it worse. I'm just, you know, these upfront expectations that when people are dating or they're hanging out, people often they they have this excuse. Well, I don't want to hurt their feelings and I don't want to make them mad. And so they le it's easier for them to just play house and pretend to do the things that they want to yeah. do. I have been in dating relations. I've been dating people. Too. Yeah, this is what I'm wondering. Have you ever been a fuckboy, Nick? No, I mean, again, we've talked about this in past episodes where like, you know, I'll ask the question, you know, to call her daddy girls like, well, do you think what I'm doing is a fuckboy? And I don't oh, I never thought it was. I when if I've been single. Mm -hmm. do i sometimes date girls and we are sexually intimate yeah sure but again what i'm saying is i have dated people in the past where there's been a situation where like for one example i did this girl and she lived across the country yeah and i was like listen i do like you let's get to know each other and we have we were intimate yeah um but like we're not dating because i don't know where i don't not there yet yeah. right so we would hang out and we would talk and she would constantly get frustrated at me because I wasn't like opening up emotional. I wasn't willing to visit her. I wasn't willing to do all these things that a boyfriend would do. But I was saying, we're not boyfriend, girlfriend. So I'm not going to act like your boyfriend. But you were talking every day? We were talking. But like I was trying to get to know her to get to that point. She would yeah. say things like, well, listen, I think uh, if two people care about each other enough, a long distance relationship wouldn't matter. And I would say, well, to be honest, I'm not there yet with you to make that commitment. Again, yeah. she didn't like hearing that. And at the risk, and she was mad at me and she would be frustrated at me. But I wasn't doing, I wasn't confusing her with my actions right. and words. And at that point, we I, need to say, okay, then yeah, this relationship had should the be opportunity over because it's not what I want. Exactly. The reason why I'm so critical of Jet and so in defense to Peter is because it's like Peter is literally the example of what you should do. Like breakups are messy. Yeah. Sometimes when people break up, feelings are hurt. Yeah. And people will name call and say, oh, he sucked or she sucked just because they're feelings. And that sucks. And I am sorry. But like Peter, whether even if he did it to go on the show, gave this girl an opportunity to move on by ending the relationship. And there's no confusion whether they were dating or not. He ended it. And she did move on. She's got like apparently dating some other guy now. Yay, good for her. Yeah, great for her. But what I'm saying is like, <laughs> relationships can be messy but like just give someone an opportunity to be mad at you to right. like say to be to feel like their feelings were hurt because you didn't want to be the asshole yeah. don't be the guy or the girl who like doesn't they're just always trying they're trying to get everyone not to be mad at them and so they but they want their freedom they want to they don't want to be in a committed relationship and all these people who it's like it's just a weakness thing but don't you think it's in today's in dating today, men think if as long as I don't say it's exclusive and don't call her my girlfriend, it's all free. No, it's not. Well, that's the problem. Yes. 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 So many people do that. And again, men and women are both guilty. Men are more guilty of it, I would I would say. Just, I mean, I don't have any stats. Right. But it just... It feels um, like that. It feels like that. <laughs> no, but like, listen, because men, the people who do that are weak. They're weak because they want to... 
listen, all the criticism, like when, you know, I'm, I'm very known for my dating life. Yes. And right now I kind of joke about it and being single, right? Why are you using it? And like, why are you still single? I can't believe you're single. And it's implied as if like there might be something wrong with me <laughs> or just anyone, this like single connotation. We talked right. about this. And listen, it's not that easy. And sometimes would it be nice to have a friend on Sunday night to like watch movies with and go to flea markets with and that we were doing all the things that like... Yeah. That have a side piece, so to speak. Sure. But I don't. And sometimes you have to make those hard decisions. There's a lot of people who do that. They want the comfort of having the person to like when they're lonely and bored, they can call and come over and they'll be intimate with. Mm -hmm. And they'll even have someone to, you know, I'm tired of going to weddings by myself. But you know what I'm not going to do? I'm not going to invite some girl I've been like hanging out with that I don't want to date that maybe I've slept with a few times and maybe I kind of sense that she'd be into me if I was into her. I'm not going to invite her to a fucking wedding. Why? Because that's going to lead her on. That's going to confuse her. That's going to make her think that maybe there's something there. I'm not going to invite her to take a trip together because that's what (laughs) fucking couples do. Right. Right. And so like, again, dating can be confusing and hard. Mm -hmm. And sometimes when you don't give the person what they want, you don't meet their expectations, they'll be mad at you. Yeah. But at least you're being upfront and honest. Yes. You're not confusing them and hedging their bet. Yeah. And fucking Jed is this... He's not fucking sorry at all. Yeah. He's full of excuses. And this latest, latest, uh, art, I saw some articles saying, well, she wasn't my, now she's like, he's like, not even sorry. If she wasn't my girlfriend, I would never do that. Well, because to your point, he was just like, as long as I'm, she's as not long my as I never, girlfriend. And never, as long as we never defined it, it's yes. fine. Meanwhile, yes. everything he's doing and yeah. saying is making her believe that there's something there. What about like Tyler, like, Lots of news this week with him. Like, there's pictures of him with Hannah, and then a couple days later with Gigi. I mean, well, in terms of maybe like this is the first time Tyler's not the 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 yeah. notebook guy. Listen, I he's not the notebook guy. He's not so the notebook I'm disappointed. guy. Why? I mean, listen, I the know. whole like Hannah asked him out for a drink. The, the the pictures. I don't know what to make of it. I'll say this much about the pictures we saw the next morning. Up, there was no hug. There was no kiss. And paparazzis will capture any moment that happens. Yeah. And I'm certain if there was a hug and a kiss, there would be photos of that. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't think uh, of that. That's a safe assumption. Oh. Uh, also, like the fact that maybe the episode, Hannah made some remarks at, uh, this week about they really did talk. And I would believe that, too, is that yeah. like these are two right now very high profile people. Yeah. Hard to do that in public. So right. it would make sense that Tyler would go to Hannah's and they would talk through right. the night and catch up, you know. Um, and also, if if Gigi Hadid wants to go on a date with you oh, as a single person, you go on a date. Really? You think you would 100%? I guess he's not going to be the bachelor anymore. I think it's safe to say that, uh, yes, I will agree that this uh, the stuff with Hannah and the stuff with Gigi Hadid pretty much eliminates Tyler from being the bachelor. Yeah, and probably Dancing with the Stars. Well, he's under contract with The Bachelor and okay. Dancing with the Stars probably isn't an option. And, you know, there's behind the scenes there. It's not the seamless trans- transition everyone thinks it is. Right. Uh, there would have to be some negotiations. Yeah. Um, I don't know why I feel disappointed, but I why? just I kind of wanted to believe like love exists and that he really loved Hannah and that. I think he really respected <laughs> Hannah and cared for Hannah. I mean, like, yeah, Hannah picked Jed and then Hannah had all this drama. Mm-hmm. with jed and jed goes on the show and everyone falls in love with him and i'm not i don't fault hannah for asking him out for drinks yeah. but like jed has the right to say listen you know i had feelings tyler t- t- tyler had the feeling the right to say i had feelings for you but i mean hey i i yeah 
I don't necessarily want to dive back into a, you know. Yeah, it was pretty quick after that. Anyway. Also, but keep in mind, Tyler's been like on lockdown for two and a half months. Right. Like not trying to get the secret out, not being able to date anyone. Right. He's put his life on hold. Yeah. So why? how much longer does Tyler need to wait to go and grab drinks with anyone, including Gigi Hadid? Right. You know, he's like, he's single. Right. And just because Hannah asked him out for a drink doesn't mean Tyler has to say yes. And it doesn't make him an asshole for saying yes. Yeah. I mean... He is, as we joked, or I joke, he is just a guy. I know, I he is a great guy, saying that. but he is just a just guy, guy who who might not just, you know, because like, I mean, all jokes is that Tyler has become this almost folklore hero of like, of course, he's just going to like be there waiting for you to like I know. figure it out and then he will come yeah. and save you. That's I, not Tyler because no one is and Aww. that's fine, but doesn't make him not any different or any less redeeming of a guy yeah. and any less genuine just because he doesn't want to be in a relationship with Hannah. I guess so. Anyways. Um, but yeah, so like, let's, I mean, paradise, it's, it was basically the Blake show. And again, like he I don't, was panicking. I don't fault Blake for like, listen, the problem with Blake and just, it's a little different than Jed is again, Blake, if you want to go on the bachelorette and then not have uh, Becca pick you and you want to have sex with everyone, Go for it. I don't have a problem. Doesn't make you a bad guy. The problem what Blake has been doing is Blake had this edit and everyone loved Blake. And Evan, he was like the Tyler last season, not quite Tyler status, no. but like he was that version of, you know, like he's so sweet and genuine. Yes. He should have been the bachelor. And yes. He's just a guy looking for love and blah, right. blah, blah. And it turns out he's a guy who also just wants to have a ton of sex. I guess so. I don't fault him for that. Yeah. The problem is, is that he also wants to keep this image of I'm the great guy. Oh yeah, him panicking about what everyone's gonna and think. And having people lie and like at asking Kayla, Kaylin to lie to him and, yeah. and things like that. That is not okay. That when you do that, it's that's when you devalue. I have I totally get that Kaylin like felt shitty about the fact that Blake's asking her to lie about the relationship and calling the experience a mistake. That's because it's terrible. all about his image. Yeah. And he's not being respectful. If you want to have sex with Kaylin and you don't want to be in a relationship with her, you say that before. Before. You say, like, listen, I just so you know, like this is where I'm at, you know, but he we don't know a lot of the details. But according to her, like she goes they were they were hanging out and he disappeared. He was DMing Hannah in bed with her. He's like, yeah, that's all like just dirty icky, icky. It, you know like, that's gross and whatever as a single guy i guess technically you can do that right <laughs> or you know, yeah we, that's the thing technically yeah no, but wait, listen like men and women both do that it's the lying mm -hmm. right i mean blake, blake even like weirdly is like admitted that he told kaylin that he hooked up with christina the night before i props for that you know like again just be honest just yeah. be upfront. and when but when you start asking people to lie for you to me, that's why Blake looked bad. It wasn't the fact he's been having this sex. Maybe. I mean, that's kind of gross. If he's going back to back, yeah. Maybe like pick from different pools of women, like, not all friends with each other. To me, that's a stupid and Stupid, tacky. yeah. Yeah, like if anything, Jed just seemed, I mean, uh, Blake just kind of seems dumb. Right, like My, Chris Harrison says in this episode, he's never experienced this before. So yeah, and like, he got careless and reckless. It's not as Machiavellian as what Jed seemed to have done. Right, has done. right. I, I, it sounds like it's only going to get worse for Blake. And I hope he sees the light. And I've met Blake a couple times. He seems like a nice enough guy. But like the, this lying, again, that's the problem. What Blake is doing is the problem out there in the dating world where these guys are just like, 
Just be upfront. Let the person get, give them yes. someone an opportunity to get mad at you in the moment for the thing that you don't want to give them. And then say it, no. Yeah. If, if you don't want to meet someone's expectations in a dating situation, give them an opportunity to get mad at you. They might get mad at you and they might say you're a dick or blah, 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 but, yeah. but you are being honest with them and you have honesty on your side. Yes. And you can be the guy who's like not emotionally available and whatever. It, fine. They can say things like you've changed or you're different. Fine. But you are being upfront and honest. Yes. It's the lying. And again, I will, the Jed, going back to the Jed part, I would be willing to bet that if Jed came clean to Hannah in the fantasy suite, goes in the fantasy suite and he's like, Hannah, I just... I got to be honest with you. Here's the situation. I, I'm, I'm totally wrong. I mean, honestly, I'm expecting you to break up with me. But I was leading this girl on. We were never technically dating, but fuck, man. I, I, I told her I loved her and whatever, and she's waiting for me. And I don't know what to do because honestly, I truly love you. And mm-hmm. I, 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 I just need to come clean with you. Hannah, they would be together right now. But didn't he do that after he proposed? No, he, after he proposed, he told her little bits and pieces. Right. He told her there was this girl he was right. hanging out with, but they weren't dating. He didn't say he was in love with her. Right. He didn't say he had sex with her the night before. He didn't say he was taking trips with her. And Hannah, her r- only reason in AFR for saying why she's not going to get back together with Jed was, I can't start a relationship with a liar. Right. And that's it. He lied to her. He kept telling her a bunch of half-truths. If he totally came clean in the fantasy suite, I'd be willing to bet those two would be together right now. Because think about Hannah. Like, Hannah has even admitted she loves a project. And the fact that, like, (laughs) and the fact that, like, Jed comes clean and, like, and then in that moment, Hannah feels like she can trust Jed because he fucked up before he met her, but he's told her everything. And even on that podcast, he's like, oh, I told her, I felt like I was telling her everything I've never told before, but you didn't, Jed. Yeah. You told her your version or whatever. It's just a bunch of crap. Um, Goodbye, fi- Jed. We're done talking. Final about thoughts. You Jed, Jed had a problem with uh, his, his criticism. One thing just want to, that I came after his family somehow. Right. Uh, if Jed thinks I came after his family because I suggested his, uh, his family would prefer him on American Idol as opposed to the Bachelorette. I stand by that. It's also <laughs> hilarious. Doubling down. Also, you're the only one who brought your family into this bullshit with your lies and deceit. Mm. And uh, Jed was saying how like his family reaction was just based off of confusion. Uh, how many hometowns have there been in the history of the show? Right. Hundreds? Right. Every family is a little confused about what this process is. <laughs> right. Have we ever seen a reaction like this before? No. Okay. So mm. anyways. He's no lawyer, but he's sure acting like um, one. Yeah, that's what I have to say about that. Just be honest, people. Uh, just be upfront. Uh, Paradise again. Paradise. Uh, I also think the uh, the clay. Yeah. Ridiculous. He's in the clear. He broke up with her. Yeah. I, I Annalise. And I he's don't looking think, good. I don't think you're here for the right reasons. Based on what, Annalise? Because he hurt your best friend by breaking up with her. Again, I am sorry your friend got hurt, and that sucks, but he broke up with her, and he has the right to move on. But also, when you break up with someone, don't say, just not right now, maybe in the future. That's a terrible thing that to is, say to someone. Did he say that? She said he said he wanted to marry her eventually. Okay, that's not cool. Did that's not say, cool. That's not cool. Yeah. Yeah. The, again, back to like, I, you know what I bet that is? Is like, break up with him. Yeah. Rip the bandaid off. Yeah. You have, you can be respectful and you still might crush someone's soul in the moment, mm-hmm. but give them an opportunity to hate you so they can move on. Yes. Don't fucking dangle a carrot so that you like in the moment, stop them from crying in front of you. And then that's the one thing that they latch onto. Well, he said maybe in the future. Uh, I've done that. 
we, we, you know, people do it all the time, but stop fucking doing it. <sighs> yeah. You know, because no, I latched on. Well, and then, yeah, but and then you like, get years of your life gone because you're waiting. Yeah, and again, also for those of you, for all the you know people listening, and I'm sure they're relating this, and our te- I bet our ten percent guys are the type of guys who've had the girls do it to them. We, you are adults. So when someone says one thing and all their actions do another, yes, like they're the fuck boys and fuck girls of the world. Mm-hmm. Just because someone wants to have sex and they ha- are not meeting your expectations of what you want from them doesn't make you a fuck boy. But when they start pretending to be your boyfriend and girlfriend, but say they're not, what get out, get out, like listen to their you know words and actions. And then mm-hmm. when they don't meet up, that means that like they're just fucking with you. We need like dare, but for fuck boys, <laughs> like <laughs> yeah, I mean resistance education. Anyways, uh, what a rant. Um, well, again, this episode with Chris Harrison is great. Super glad he's following me on Instagram now. How yeah. did you even notice that? I noticed it. Wow. <laughs> Was he following everyone else? I don't. Le- oh no, I've opened a can of worms here. Uh oh. Anyways, Chris Harrison. No, uh, it's really great. Um, I hope you guys enjoy it. And uh, up next, Chris Harrison, everybody. Chris Harrison, how are you? Thanks Nick, for, thanks for coming. Well, that was the intro? <laughs> well, we, we do. We do. We'll, I, think, we'll, I thought there'd be something bigger. <laughs> wow. wow, he's already shitting on the show. <laughs> um, no, I was we'll, going to say, we'll, we hear that all the time. We I was, do an intro. I thought know. it was going to be bigger. Yeah. We're gonna, we're gonna, this is a, a break out of, we're going to try to sell some people some things they need. All right. And then and now we're... Now we're talking to Chris. Now we're going to sell you iced Eskimos. Yeah. How you doing, man? I'm good. How are you? It's time for, we sit down and have for, an awkward talk. Yeah. Thanks it's been a while. Coming. It's been a while. We've had so many weird, awkward talks in our life. So uh, do you regret it? Yeah. Uh, what are you really feeling here? Oh, <laughs> uh, this is the first time we've turned the tables where you get to ask me questions. Yeah. I feel I feel very lucky. Chris is, uh, you don't do a lot of podcasts. We talked about, you've done a, a fair share over the years. Yeah, I do but. sparingly. And, 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 you know, the people I love that uh, when they ask, mm. and honestly, you, you've never asked. I, and I think there's part of that too, where there is, and it, no, I don't mean that in a bad way. I, just, I think that honestly, everyone's a little bit like scared to go, hey, will you just do my podcast? Like Caitlin Bristow asked me, will you do my podcast? And I said, yeah, yeah. I, I had parameters, which was come to my house. We drink my wine and <laughs> hang out. Uh, and then you actually asked last week and I said, absolutely, I'll do it. Yeah, yeah I love you guys and I, I'm happy to help and I love to be a part of it and love to see you all. And well, not everybody, but you and I, have, you, Nick and I have remained good friends. And so, yeah, when you asked, I jumped at the chance. I said, sure, I'll come in and yeah. drink out of your face. It's really, <laughs> really gracious of them. For those that can't see, I'm drinking out of a Nick Vial prison mug. <laughs> Rochelle's obsessed with them. Um, we got them I made. Think I hate they're them. ridiculous. They are ridiculous. I hate them. <laughs> Um, well, well, thanks for coming. Um, we, we talk a lot about, we had the pleasure of, of having, uh, Lauren, your, your girlfriend on the show and she's, Oop. yeah, <laughs> she raved about you. So now this is your time oh, to God. return. Is that what favor. this is about? <laughs> I have to, okay. Yeah. So I just want to, just to remind you. <laughs> I've prepared a little something yeah. I want to read. <laughs> she said a lot of nice things, Chris. Okay. So um, now would probably be the, t- no, okay. um, no, but she was really great, and she shared a lot of some stuff of how you met. I thought it was really interesting, and uh, yeah, she outed, she broke the news on uh, on our relationship uh, on your podcast. Thank you, Lauren. She did call to warn me after it was over. She's after? like, by the way, she's like, I just want you to know. After, as soon as the podcast was over, she oh. said, "Hey, I just I did tell Nick some stuff, and she knew this was a safe place and a safe space, and that's why she trusted you and and didn't mind." And yeah, and, and I, I asked by the her way, before, like, I care. Cool. Yeah. 
she was she was great. Fire away. Um, I'm a lucky lucky son of a gun. There you go. <laughs> see. Um, well, I th- what I was thought was most interesting, and we talk a lot about dating on this this podcast. Is she talked about how you met, and it made me think about. I know technically you and Lauren don't like work for the same company right. or anything like that, but you, she, she's the, I mean, she's become kind of the bachelor over yeah. the years, kind of correspondent with all of the, the networks, but especially ET. And she's always, always there. So you, you in essence work with Lauren and I was really ever since knowing you dated kind of paying attention to the things that she covers and then right. you, and it's, she obviously like, she she's doing her thing, especially even with the say the Jed drama and stuff like that. Um, I thought always I really appreciated how you guys were still able to do your thing and there's no conflict of interest. Is that something you guys kind of talked about, or is it interesting? Or working with someone was that a, a challenge at first? It, it, at the very beginning, we did have the conversation of do we want to do this? Mm-hmm. Um, we when we met and we actually went on a date. And we could tell there was chemistry and we really liked each other and there, there was something there. Then there was the conversation of, do we really want to do this? And I'll be honest, I was a little selfish because I don't really care. I've been doing The Bachelor long <laughs> enough that sure. I don't really care who whose feathers I ruffle and, and how many waves I, I cause because really? my personal life is much more important to me than my professional life now. I've earned the right to get to that point yeah. because I'm old enough to do that. You know, she is she's grinding and she is on the other side of the business where I am the host of a show that she covers sometimes. She does so much more, yes. by the way, with Entertainment Tonight and so many other facets of her life professionally. But I did say I get the conflict of interest. I respect that and I empathize with that. So I just this is really up to you. Do you want to do this? Um, and then she, then she laid a, a big kiss on me and I said, OK, Aww. we're doing this. I, I want, I, I guess that's a question for Lauren, if just hearing that from you of just kind of empathizing with her. If well, I wanted kind to of be respectful. I was cognizant right. of the fact that that, it, I could be an issue. It definitely wasn't going to be for me. Although, you know, there's things I have to navigate and be respectful of. And I want to make sure that, you know, I, I treat other outlets the same. And it's really funny. Our our interviews now <laughs> haven't changed. I, I've, I, I've watched some of yeah. them and I've noticed that. I almost, I've watched some of them and thought, is she like even more like, I I'll be care. honest, I'm scared to death of Laura. <laughs> She's, and this is one of the things I, I love and respect about her before I, I dated her was she's good. She's one of the best interviewers I ever face. And when I go into an interview with her, I have to have my head on straight because she is so good at just finding the crack and then going in. And and not in a salacious way or anything crazy, just she's a really good interview. She does her homework. She's smart. She's a great conversationalist. And so you can't just go in haphazard and just cruise through an interview because she's going to bust you on it. And so I like the way she pushes me. And that was one of the things I was really attracted to before we ever started dating is I really looked forward to our interviews. And this is when, you know, she was still married. I was married even. And I just really loved her interviews and just because she was good. And so I, and I still look forward to it, but now on oddly enough, I'm more scared of her. (laughs) <laughs> when I go in to do interviews yeah, I, because I A, yeah. she's still a good interviewer, but B, now I feel like I have to perform for her. <laughs> I can imagine <laughs> there's performance anxiety is what I'm saying. <laughs> for her interviews. You really need to be on top of your game. I can imagine her like after the interview and be like, what the fuck was that, Chris? Like, I know. <laughs> My God. Uh, no, she, I mean, she is. I mean, she, I, in my experience, like having been through the show, you know, I, 
as the bachelor or even a contestant, you get to interview with a lot of people. And there's, there's some people I f- you feel like are just kind of mailing it and they're just asking you basic questions. And then I, there's the other like gotcha people who are like, they're just trying to get you in trouble. Right. Um, and Lauren's da- has a good balance of, I mean, not that the, the, she asks you gotcha questions, but she's hard, you can tell she's thought of her questions and, and the, prepared. And, the, and, and then it's interesting. It's easier as someone asking questions because like, oh, I haven't been right. asked that before. Well, right. and that's the thing is, and this shouldn't sound like a novelty, but she does her homework mm-hmm. and she's smart. And she's a good interviewer. And so it's, you know, you've done a million of these interviews and it's amazing how many times you'll be doing an interview and you just want to shake the person and say, have you ever watched my show? Do you know anything about, did you take four seconds and even Google me before I, we did this interview? I was, uh, one time <laughs> I won't name the, the net, it wasn't ET, um, or the person, but like it was right after Ari's season and they're like, man, just, you know, CBS must be really excited about all these numbers. And I'm just like, yeah, wrong. It's yeah. on ABC. Right. Yeah. And this was after she was like kind of nagging me a little yeah. bit. And I was just like, really? Like you just, wow. Yeah. Um, so no, she's, so she's easily one of the best interviewers I ever face. Uh, and this is before I needed to suck up to her because she's my girlfriend. She's great. She's, she's phenomenal at what she does. I really admire her work ethic. Her, you know, it's obviously it's what one of the things I'm attracted to. I, I'm sorry to interrupt, but for some of us that didn't hear that episode of the Vial Files, where we found out how you did meet, mm-hmm. did you, did you hit on her when she was interviewing you? Well, I didn't until I did. Uh huh. Was that so, after she slid into your DMs? No. Oh, she before, slid in. Oh, the, the, I the first. This is really he weird. Flirted first. Okay, so okay. here's here's the weird thing um, about. And I, I think you can relate to this. You do a thousand interviews or pictures and you meet people. And it's one of the things I love about my show or about, about my job is that you meet so many you people. You can call it your show. But right? I oftentimes, <laughs> yes. I oftentimes Let's rename it. don't put a face or a name to people that I'm doing interviews because you're just doing so many. You mm-hmm. say you're on a red carpet or whatever. And sometimes I'll look back at pictures after a night and think, "Who? wow, that person I was with was really attractive or that was really good. Or we do have, and I, I don't even... You just don't see it. It's really, it's a weird thing to say, but it's, um, no, it you just, kinda go into yeah, you're just in the zone. Mode. I'm in the yeah. zone and I'm trying to think about what I want to say and, and what, you know, what show I'm on and what secrets I need to keep. And I'm just worried about putting on a good interview for somebody. And so Lauren was kind of like that. We interviewed for years and to her credit, she wasn't flirty at all. Um, I believe, she, you know, she was married and so she wasn't flirty and, and I was dating at the time, somebody else. And so we really just, we didn't have that chemistry. We didn't have that thing, but the last bachelor in paradise, she came down to Puerto Vallarta. She did the pre season interviews and all of a sudden <laughs> I saw her for the first time Aww. after we'd known each other kind of for years, but I really saw her for the first time and she did this interview and I will admit, I got a little flirty. And then she called me on something. <laughs> so, wait, 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 wait. Hold on. You're not just getting to drop it off there. What is flirty to you? What did you do? Did you touch well, an arm? Was there a brushing of the hair? No, no. There's no physical contact. Yeah. There's no okay. unwanted physical contact. Yeah. Very good. That's creepy. Not, that's sorry, creepy. That's sure. creepy Uncle Larry. <laughs> Different times, Chug. Yeah. Listen, I, this is my flirt. No, but like while we're doing an interview, I was just, I, I don't know, maybe I just was more charismatic mm. and more personal. Yeah, a little and, a little hold of the eye contact. And I I never would go into the next room, the green room where all the reporters are and waiting. Mm. But after she left, <laughs> I actually went in there. Oh. kind of like it struck up a conversation. I was trying to strike up a conversation with her, but I got hijacked by some other reporter who thought I was in there to kind of see everybody. Oh. And so it kind of failed. 
in a way, but it was still flirty. And we, she, we went back to that and she's like, yeah, I kind of did notice that you've never come in that room before (laughs) to talk to people. And so that's when it kind of started. And then we had that conversation at the tell all, I think it was uh, Becca's season of the tell all. And then she DM'd you. Did you get a little, were you kind of excited? Because at this point, some from you, it's like you're kind of planting these seeds. You know, I don't really, where's the opening? And well, then after she the reached conversation, out. After the conversation we had in the parking lot where I was just staying there, I was taking a break from hosting and she was taking a break from sitting there watching the show. She came out and we really got into this deep in-depth conversation, a personal conversation about our lives mm-hmm. and stuff and dating and all that. And for the first time, that's when I really saw her and I thought, wow, like, there's this, there's a real person here. Cause before then it had been a camera and an interview. And so this is the first real conversation we'd had. And I'm like, wow, she's beautiful. She's smart, intellectual. Mm-hmm. She's, you know, bold. And I'm like, this is a pretty amazing woman. Who, who is this? And then, she, then when she went into my DMs, we'd already kind of had this rapport and this chemistry. And so it kind of took off from there. Did she write you up? No. Who, I, did, who dis? Who dis? Um, <laughs> who you up? Who dis? <laughs> New number? Who dis? No, it was, it, it was still fairly professional. Yes, good. No, I mean you're clearly two very serious and wonderful. Right, people. and then it, it took a while to go. Okay, we're gonna do this. Yeah, let's go on a date, and then we went on our first date, and then the first date was really like two people interviewing each other. Oh, no. <laughs> it, was, it really was. She really interviewed me. She tried to take control. I was trying to take control and interview her. A lot of the, you know, it was a very- lot of, A lot like, of good well, what listening. What did that feel like? Yeah, it was like two bad interviews. <laughs> Hold for commercial break. And one uh, of the things she did do after our first date, she was like, I didn't think you were that great because you t- you talked a lot. I said, you interviewed me. Oh. Right? It was a full-blown interview. Um, Have you ever had dates like that where like, well, you talked a lot. I'm like, I've answered all your questions. <laughs> like, what do, you, what do you, what do you want me to say? I, all jokes aside though, but like, me? Rookie no. mistake. That is oh, your phone. My oh, phone. Who's hitting you up? My Who's phone hitting you up at uh, nine thirty on a uh, Friday morning? I think I know. I know what it is. I need to pay my Verizon bill <laughs> <laughs> because it's like it's these local Wisconsin area codes, oh, and like they know, like they're they're calling you from uh, from that. But um, I was thinking about that too in terms of like dating before you met Lauren, yeah. and I got to assume there's a level of comfort and just like the. It felt like we were interviewing each other, but yet there's a familiarity there of guys getting to know each other. And I know for me in my dating life, sometimes the struggle is it's really just about, and I've talked about this before, just feeling safe, just knowing that you can be really yourself around someone. And before you met Lauren and compared to when you met her, right. was there a lot of that when you would go on dates and 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 meet people? And I'm sure they were great women, but like... Is that, was that a struggle you had and that Lauren kind of, other than her being great as right. well, like allowed you to kind of get to that point? Yeah, I mean, I dated for, you know, I've been divorced for over eight years, I think, about that. Um, yeah, about eight years. And so I obviously I've dated a lot mm-hmm. and I do it quietly because I, I like to keep my private life quiet for the most part. Obviously with Lauren, it's been a little different. And that was another conversation too of how public we're going to be and and how that's going to go. Um, but yeah, it you know, I think when you meet somebody who disarms you and makes you feel comfortable, safe, where you just don't have a care in the world. Um, it's so refreshing. And it's funny that you, and you know this from dating, is that you fight it sometimes. You try to fit a square peg in a round hole, mm-hmm. so to speak. And you're like, well, there's so many other great attributes, but you just it never feels quite right. Um, and, and with Lauren, I will say it, it does. It just, it's so comfortable. 
And in large part, because what an amazing woman she is. And we just have that chemistry and we have that rapport. And I think there's a lot of similarities with where she's from in the Midwest, how I grew up, how she thinks of family, the connection she has with her mom, her sister and her brother, and my mom and my brother and family. And so the, the connection and the things that link us together and bond, bond us together are very similar. And I think that has a lot to do with it. That's awesome. That's great. I want to get back to, I, I don't know this, and maybe because you haven't done a, pod, a lot of podcasts, I'm hoping you haven't talked a ton about it. But I do know when you got started, you were a, a sports anchor. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, I actually don't really know the answer to these questions. I know you you were covering the Dallas Cowboys, you came over, but how did, honestly, how did this all happen for the you? The Bachelor? Like, yeah, and just coming to LA and being yeah. being basically known as the host when it comes to love. Yeah. And, and it's a total 180. Yeah, it's a bizarre, it really is a bizarre story that I that wasn't intended. And I think that's kind of the beautiful thing about life and the way I feel about life and I try to impart on my kids is, you know, have goals, set goals, but don't be so married to them that, you know, when another door opens, you don't walk through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, my goal in life, and you're an athlete in college and all that, so was I, I played soccer. And that was my goal was to get to college, try and get college paid for and play soccer. And I did. Then when I got there, I found sports casting and I found television, fell in love with it. That became my life and my goal. And then after, you know, being a sportscaster in Oklahoma City, and I actually moved to LA in the in May of 99 to be a sportscaster, to start up a horse racing network. And when I got out here again, Ooh. I was just Ooh. open to opportunity. I did a game <laughs> show. I did a home and garden show called uh, Designer's Challenge that was hugely popular for about three or four years. It was their number one show for a while. And, um, I, and I just started falling into this business and then realized that I really like the hosting gig. And, and I just... I didn't travel much as a kid. We didn't have a lot of money. I'd never been to Hollywood. I had no idea or dream of moving to Hollywood. That wasn't my thing. I really wanted to move back home to Dallas and cover the Cowboys for the rest of my life and be, you know, happily ever after. But once I got out here, there was just a lot of opportunities. And one of the things that was always on this list was The Bachelor, this this reality show. Survivor had just kind of started. And then I heard about this reality show that I was on the, there's always a list in Hollywood of, of people that are up for parts or up for roles. Mm -hmm. So I was on this list, never interviewed, never did anything. And finally, after a year, my agent called and said, by the way, you're still on this list. I'm like, whatever. There's four of you and they want to meet with you. I said, great. So I go and I meet with this guy, Mike Fleiss. And the meeting was terrible. We hated each other. It was horribly wrong. and, and, (laughs) And I left and they offered and my agent called and said, how to go? I said it was the worst meeting I've ever had in my life. What you? What? What? I mean, I've had. So, what? What about that felt wrong? So I was. I, I'm a really conservative guy. Okay. I grew up in Texas, sure. Oklahoma. You know, faith driven, church going guy. And you know, I go in with my suit, my hair parted. You know, I'm still Midwestern looking guy. <laughs> and then there's Mike Fleiss. And if you don't know Mike, he's the creator of the show. And he, you know, had his board shorts on and. Uh, black t-shirt, sunglasses on inside. I'm just like, I look at him and I'm like, you're everything that's wrong in the world. <laughs> he looked at me and he's like, you're everything that's wrong in the world. So it was oil and water. Yeah. And so we kind of left and was like, great. I hate you. I hate you. I'm glad we did this. And my agent called and said, yeah, they offered it to somebody else. Mm. Who? I will not out mm. him. Because uh, I know Denzel him. Washington. Morgan Freeman. Actually. <laughs> Morgan, can you yeah. imagine? Yeah, he would have been good. Is he yeah. so sad now? that he didn't you know i don't know it. i have it's but 
it, there was this small pool of hosting guys and he was one of those guys that we traded jobs and we all went for the same auditions when I was around kind of when I first moved here, there was like four or five of us that was, were really banking a lot of jobs. And there was this one particular, um, <laughs> casting agent and she would always call like the four or five of us guys when she needed guys, cause we would always give great auditions. Oh. And she would even say, you're not going to get this job. You have no chance to get this job. I need to, I need someone who will go deliver. And I know yeah, you'll always so deliver. Interesting. People don't realize that about casting is yeah. that the casting director themselves just needs to show that they know good people. Yeah. If you like, send it's like 10 you're people not in, right, but you just kind of always go in assuming you're not going to get it. That kind but of, she was great. Yeah. She, she was honest and she's like, you're not going to get this. Do, do me a solid. She's like, you're going to get, you know, I'll tell you when you're up for parts that you'll actually have a shot at. <laughs> she said, we're going to get you a job. You're good. And, and you got skills and you're new and you're fresh. So and she did. She found me two jobs. I did the Home mm -hmm. and Garden show, and then I, she got me the game show. Um, she was great. And so this guy was one of those guys, and he was. We were very different types. He was very hosty, really over the top. Ugh. You know, hey everybody, that kind of guy, which has his place. He ended up doing a, a game show or a show for Fox so not too long ago, but it was. Um, you know, I'm just very what you see is what you get. Kind of the guy next door. You know. My personality is also my hosting style. You do. You part. feel kind of like a friend in your home. And that's what they wanted. That's they they were, you know, and at the end of the day, everybody's so from the network to the studio to Mike, they all take credit for not trying to hire the other guy and coming uh, to me. But you know that. But truth. clearly somebody did offer him a job. <laughs> and so did he turn it down? No, they rescinded it. That's why I don't want Adam. They rescinded it oh, and okay. went with me. So two Heart weeks later. Break. Yeah. Hey, so they go. They offered the other. They, have, they offered the other guy, and then you're there's like, some oh, really you. shitty stories about stuff like that. And and here's this is why it was really bizarre. So I got the Bachelor, and I'm like, well, did I? Oh yeah, right. So I went home, and it was uh, Christmas of 2001, or yeah, 2001, and then the bachelor started taping in 2002. So I went home for Christmas over the holidays and, and I didn't tell anybody Aww. that I got this network gig because did I get it? Mm. I don't know. Uh, because I had also just had another friend that did this show, this daytime show on a ship with comedy and all this other stuff. And it's a small world. And some guys called him and said, Hey, I just auditioned for your show. He's like, Oh, you're going to be on it. It's like, no, I job. just auditioned oh. for your job. He was already in principal production, already shooting the show. <sighs> And they replaced them. And so we were all scared to death. And you have to go back. We were young. We were young kids. And How we these were, were our first jobs. First well, I bachelor. wasn't that young. I was 30. But <laughs> that's young. I was 29, 30 years old when I got the bachelor. That's wow, incredible. That's so but when crazy. I moved here, so I'm 28, 29 years old doing, you know, going on these auditions. And you're just grinding it out, man. You're just grinding. And I love, but I love that. And I I kind of miss that. I went to an audition. No, you don't. A little bit. I went to an audition. <laughs> he misses the excitement of it. You but miss it when it was fresh and new, but by 35, you would have been done. I don't miss, you know, being poor and unemployed. Yeah. <laughs> or rejected. Uh, yeah, or rejected. But I don't know. There's something yeah, there's about- there's something about the grind and the hustle. Well, there's something about sports. I went for a, uh, a show. Uh, I'll even say it. It was Monopoly Millionaires Club, uh, the game show um, that the guys that did Deal or No Deal did. And I hadn't been to an audition in a while. And I had- 
the, the guys that did that knew me from something else and said, dude, you're great for this. Please come in and audition, but we do need you to audition. Cause a lot of times now I don't audition. I, you know, they'll pitch a show to me cause they already know who mm -hmm. I am and they just want me to host. And that's usually how things happen. But this was going to be a full blown audition. And it was, I really relished the fact that yeah. I was going in and I had to grind and do this. And it was on the line and, uh, they chose Billy Waddell. I think it's, that's his name, the comedian. Poor choice. <laughs> well, it didn't last. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's not. It's, it's didn't last. And then you see, so you get the gig, and, and as, as kind of like you talked about before, there's still so much unknown. I mean, in your wildest dreams, did you imagine like when you? What did you think of The Bachelor when you got the gig? Yes. Other than the fact it was a network show, like, oh, that's cool. This is neat. But like the concept, like, what did you think? I, I wasn't. I was scared to death. And I was scared because, you know, the only thing that this, this company had done that I knew of was do you, who wants to marry a millionaire? And that was the oh, Rick right. Rockwell, Darva Conger. I remember that. I watched big that. scandal. So my thought was, oh my God, like, am I going to be able to show my face back home if I do this show? Because the thought of it and the idea was like, wow, this one guy's going to date 30 women. And the only saving grace <laughs> and the reason I did it, if it had been on Fox, I don't know if I would have done it. Mm -hmm. The fact that it was on ABC... And that's no offense to Fox. They were just at the time. They Push were, the limits. They were pushing the limits, yeah. doing really salacious stuff. And I thought, mm. and so ABC, Disney, it has to have a certain amount of decorum and respect. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of what sold me on doing it. And it was my first network gig. I got paid pennies to do it. And, you know, people think, oh, you get this network gig, you're set. Well, you're not. I still, I had two other shows at the time. I, I had three jobs while I started The Bachelor. Oh. That's great. <laughs> and then- I mean, but you don't know. I mean, the first, it didn't. So ABC was a dumpster fire at the time. Was, <laughs> well, it's, you know, networks will do this where they get, they have these great shows and they're killing it, but then those shows age and they get a little long in the tooth. That was the end of NYPD Blue, Eight mm. Simple Rules, The John Ritter Show, um, uh, George Lopez Show. Was like all these shows were kind of dying and coming to an end of their cycle. And so they were looking for something ABC new. was looking for something new and they were like, well, reality. And so when they bought the show, it actually, the first season didn't do great. We did well, but really? not great. Okay. And then it was over the summer. So we actually premiered in the spring. Then over the summer, there was just this, this groundswell of support, this phenomenon. And the show blew up. By the time we came back season two, which was Aaron Berge, that I, I could tell my life had just changed. I wasn't sure how. Because it was like going to the Super Bowl your first year in the league. But we had 33 million viewers the end of that first season or the end of season two with Aaron Berge. Then Trista came on. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, I don't know how yet, but I feel like my life just changed. And when, and like, I'm assuming people started noticing in grocery stores and, and kind of, like you know, it's really been the best rise because it was really a steady, my whole life has been just this steady rise, my, my professional life. It was, you know, I was a big fish in a small pond in Oklahoma city. And, and I got to cut my teeth and really become a good journalist and a good interviewer and a good listener. And I really got to hone my craft in Oklahoma city felt like a big deal. Mm -hmm. And it was at the time. And then I came out here and did a home and garden show and I did some other stuff and, and got to cut my teeth and get into the business. And then when the bachelor started, it was a slow burn. And so, and, and the show's never been a huge host-driven show. So I've always got to kind of fly under the radar. And even to this day, I, I kind of get the benefits of being known, but not really having my life destroyed. Yeah, I mean, you do have a pretty normal It's perfect, life. really. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, and a lot of that has to do with the fact that I've worked hard to do that. 
And, and, and that's a conversation I even have with Lauren. I'm like, I'm, I'm a very private person. I'm pretty protective. I don't put my life out there on display because I love my private life. I mm-hmm. love my friends. Most of them are not in the business. Most of them don't, aren't even on social media. And so that's not their life. It's mine. And so I try to, I try to separate the two and it's kept me mentally extremely healthy and happy. Oh, that's so good. You must be a really hard worker, or what do you attribute? Because you're like, oh, I just fell into it. But people don't just fall into no, you don't just like fall this. into it. It's you know, I always say what you see on the Bachelor, you know, you're seeing like the top ten percent of the iceberg. You know, you're not yeah. seeing you know the. I've been I've been at this game a long time. Um, you know, I've been on TV since '93 when I graduated college. I've been on TV, so I've wow. I've been at this a long time, and um, so I always say it. You know, took a long time to become an overnight sensation, <laughs> um, but I, I I'm a grinder, and I've always been a grinder. My my family, you know, came from pretty humble means, and they worked hard. And you know, my mom is one of the hardest workers. I know, and has recreated herself many times over and is one of the most successful real estate agents in Dallas and has been for some 30 years. And it was all her. She created it. And so I have so much respect for my brother, my family, and that's all I know. And so I do. I I like the grind. I like the work. One question I I kind of piggybacking off of Rochelle's is, on my season of The Bachelor, on Andy's season, my first season. Mm -hmm. Your season. Well, I meant to say my first season. (laughs) Yeah. Um, there was a GQ article where you were kind of uh, that you gave an interview of, oh, yeah. um, and they taught one thing. The, my biggest takeaway, or that I remembered, is the interviewer talked about how you have no wasted words, <laughs> and he was he pointed that out, and I was very envious of that wow. because also that was again my first season on TV, and I found out for the first time how much I say things like like and um <laughs> all the time. How like. Is that something you had? To, does that come naturally? Speaking to Rochelle's question, like, are you, are, did, did you aware, are you aware of yeah, the wasted what word? word? Because I have a lot of wasted words. That's, compliment. I was like, I was like, wow. It is a good compliment. That was yeah. a great, I was, I, that, that's all I remember from the article. And it was a really big takeaway. It's probably something that was not necessarily thought of, but honed over years of just being on TV and realizing that you have a finite amount of time. The other night on the finale of The Bachelorette, (laughs) both nights actually, Monday and Tuesday, were really crazy. When you do live TV, I always tell people in this business, you can control two things. How you get into a show, it's gotta be clean Mm because you control that and it's scripted. How you get out of a show, typically scripted and you have that hard time of when you get out. Everything in between, you never know what can happen on live TV, but I always say you should at least control those two things. The other night, Monday and Tuesday, we had really random things to end the show. Um, (laughs) And it really left, so Hannah wanted to say something Monday night and I needed her to deliver. And then I had to get us out and it was a really tight time. Sometimes you have what's called a credit bed and you have like 45 seconds that you could talk over that credit bed, but Monday night we had to hit it on the second. And I take such simple pleasures and things no one will ever notice, but we nailed it. (laughs) (laughs) Just nailed it Monday night. Congratulations. Um, And so you just, I think back to your, your question, you don't have time to waste. You've got to choose your words wisely and get to the point, especially when you're doing an interview on TV. Yeah. I I thought that was, Yeah. Wait, can you tell us more about the finale? What was it? And then the finale on Tuesday night, <laughs> the whole thing was going to end with this moment with Tyler. Right. So again, when you get to that, it's live TV. So you are off the air. And when a lot of times, and Nick knows, if we shoot the tell-all, which is taped, 
you can shoot all night. It doesn't matter. And then we will edit it and put it and it'll look pretty in this package. That's why I love live TV is we had four minutes in the act with Tyler, period. And there were some things we needed to get to because we hadn't serviced Tyler at all. So we had to do that. And Hannah has a tendency to not go quickly. Have ways for it. <laughs> I mean, so, hey, I was she can get long-winded lost. too. Yeah, you, you know, she can get lost. And so, you know, and they're counting down in my ear, oh, no. like two minutes. And, and we had this idea of at two minutes, we need to get to the part of, is she going to ask this guy out? Mm-hmm. And I wasn't sure if it was going to go there, but we had to give it time. Oh, man. And so in the, here's, the, here's the other dilemma. If she just spits the bit and it's over in 20 seconds... Then what do you do? Now I'm feeling <laughs> for a minute and a half. There. And Tyler's like, <laughs> no. <laughs> so it's really amazing in your head of you're on network TV, you're coming wow. to the end of a show, you have to end it on time. And there is this intangible. It could be short, you got to fill. It could be long, I got to kill it. But I also have to create this content because it needs to be there. And so that is the stuff that wow. I, that's what that's I get, so that's what I get off on. It's, yeah. it's, that is my drug. I don't do drugs. That's my drug. I love live TV. <laughs> I love the clock. pressure of it. And it goes back to sports. And it's what I, I've always relished about sports is the, the ability to put yourself out there to fail. I've Ooh. never been so afraid to fail that I don't allow myself to succeed. And that to me is such a key virtue that. in life sports. is I love the ability to fail. And I try to teach my mm-hmm. kids that. And um, I love and I love live TV. That's walking on a tightrope without a net. Ooh. You could fall on your face. It could be a complete disaster. But if you've done your work, you've done your homework, you've trained, you've prepared, that's all you can do. And then you hope your body takes over in any situation that comes up, you can handle it. Do you have any kind of flops that you can think of over your career? It's Some I don't live TV. You know what's flops? funny is I don't remember flops as much as I remember things. That, it's little stupid things that no one will ever know <laughs> that you pull off. Yeah. And you get done with the show, and the people at home would never have noticed. Like mm-hmm. there was one, I don't know why it sticks to my brain, but there was a Miss America moment. I, I hosted Miss America for like 10 years. And there was a moment where Brooke Burke or whoever was was hosting with me was supposed to follow this Miss. I think it was Miss Alabama, ironically enough, <laughs> off the stage, an interviewer, she was walking back because she had just been picked up or saved. And, and Miss Alabama ran like she was shot out of a cannon and they <laughs> lost her. <laughs> and I was already walking off stage, halfway behind stage when they said, stop, camera two, fill. <gasps> just and, filling the time. And you're on live TV. And so I stopped and I hit my camera and I filled for about 30 seconds. <laughs> which is a lot. Which is, a, it's oh, an hour yeah, and a half yeah, on TV. <laughs> I wish we could find that tape. That's and, hilarious. And, and then they said, we got her, go. And I said, yeah, Brooks caught up with Miss Alabama and da-da-da-da-da. You know, let's go her backstage. And it was, I just walked off stage and it's like, no one will ever know. I just killed that. <laughs> And again, so it's this just, is a win. This is the story of a win of yeah, like this thirty that's the, seconds. That, that's, that's, what remem- that's what he remembered. That's what he's saying. Like I remembers. remember Monday night. Yeah. I remember Monday night for so many other reasons than people watching the show. And it was killing the killing the exit on the second and still having Hannah ad lib. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, because she doesn't know. She doesn't have a clock in her head. She's not watching. She doesn't know that the stage manager is like going, you know, ten seconds. And I'm just calmly looking at her. <laughs> And I drag it and we get out. And like, those are the little victories. It's fun for me. Yeah. 
I love that so much. You you could tell, like, I, I mean, I have a lot of experience hosting and doing what you do and with the t- countdown out of the clock, and it was making me sweat because I was watching her <laughs> having yeah. a very good time. Well, with- when you produce a show, like, yeah. you know, whether it's a podcast, anything, when you produce a moment and it comes off like you hoped, like you yeah. intended it, those are the little things of, and, and our producers are phenomenal at what they do. And, and I, especially for those live shows, we all get together in my trailer before the show. We go over each act, each segment. What do we hope to get? You know, and, and I have a producer, executive producer, Bennett, in my head while the show's going on, giving me times. What do we have to get to? We got to move on. And so it's it's a delicate balance. And it is, it's this tightrope act that I always love. I get off on it. When I'm done, I'm done. I, mean, I wake up hungover the next day. It's a beating, <laughs> but I love it. I well, I don't remember which AFR it was, but it was when I was new to it all for the most part. Nice. I, I don't. Chris probably doesn't remember this, but I was going to the bathroom. Chris is going to the bathroom, and he just looks at me. He's like, "Don't let me down." Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I always say before we go on, I'm like, "Don't f this up for me." Well, when I, it is like his show. That's when like I, your big job. moment. When I got it cast as the Bachelor, <laughs> I just you know I wasn't. I was waiting for like Chris to you know say something, and he sends me a text, and I really, I really appreciate it because it, I feel like we have similar senses of humor. It's a dry, kind of dry, sarcastic, and Chris just texts me, and goes, "Don't fuck this up." <laughs> <laughs> that was your congratulations. Yeah. No, I, mean, I, I could. I, that was really. It was really a fantastic. Don't f this up. I really. It made me. It made me laugh and smile. <laughs> that's. But that's Chris. It wasn't like I wasn't expecting some sort of like over the sappies yeah <laughs> wrote you a poem yeah what a what a great great a great you thing. know what i loved is with luke where you just sat there and let it be like a minute of silence before he answered every that, that's great too that's a good point it's like you know, talking about just your experience and being on well that's not live that was the tell-all but just knowing to just live in a moment it's hard i mean as a as a podcast there's there's sometimes really great moments in silence of like building an awkwardness and like just having the awareness to, to let that marinate. You know? We all, as humans, we all want to fill space because yeah. it's uncomfortable. Like silence is uncomfortable. And so you, you just have this innate want to save somebody in a weird situation. <laughs> but really in those situations, you want to leave them alone in this space, wherever they are and their thoughts to like, where are they going? And I think it's fascinating to watch these people, especially Luke, <laughs> who was really going deep and trying to figure out the right thing to say, not what he wanted to say. He was trying to figure out the yeah. right thing to say. Um, and so I just found it, I found it fascinating. And I, and my goal in that interview was not to expose him or whatever, but just to show who he is and let him do his thing. He seems to have sh- like he, that's the thing. My take on Luke is he just kind of embraced this whole, I don't get the sense and I haven't, I don't follow him on social media that he, uh, and it seems like he's doubling down on who he is and leading which is his, great you know yeah. and i even said he didn't hurt anybody no god bless him man if that's if that's what floats your boat then good on you i you know whatever whatever it is to get you through the day in this world i'm fine with it you know my only thing was he was he was condescending he was misogynistic and mm-hmm. you know i think some of his beliefs uh not his beliefs because i respect his religion but his thought process is a little antiquated hopefully yes and hopefully it can be altered and i yeah. we've, we talked a lot about luke or, but he's or young around. he's young and mm-hmm. i quite honestly hope that this experience will be uh, a bit of awakening i mean again different times though when i was 24 i didn't have some of the progressive right. viewpoints that i i have now I oh mean, god none of us like, i mean th- like, that's yeah. the thing who who were you when you were 24 who was i when i was 24 if you put a big camera on me 
and follow me around? Like, exactly. yeah, probably would not have been the, the best guy yeah. in the world. And especially different times back. I mean, you come yeah. from a conservative oh, yeah. family. I, I, there were definitely things that I was taught or raised that I've said that it's just like, thank God I did not tweet that. You know, like <laughs> diff- I, Twitter didn't exist, but that, that, you know, so there's some. 100%. Some, like, no, I, I, I give him some slack, but hopefully it's an opportunity to, the, you know, again, his faith and everything, but some of the things he said, there's a growth opportunity. Right. And that's, him. and that's, and I, that's why I'm not mad at him. He's not a bad guy. He'll grow. And, yeah. and, and I, and that's what I hope for anybody who comes on our show. And you think even since I've known you, you're a changed man, you're a different guy. Cause you have so many more experiences and that's how you grow is experience. Failure. Yeah. Failure. Yeah. All these things, the the scars from things, the victories, it all adds up. I always say, like I've you know, Bennett, you mentioned Bennett, and we've had conversations with other producers about my like only experience. And there's been highs and lows, and like I joked with Tyler that my first season was very different than you know that he's he's big right now, and everyone wants a piece of him, and that's awesome and cool, and he deserves all of it. But like I look back on my experience and. I really wouldn't change a thing, especially with some of the really low lows. Right. But like, because of it, it just made me more well-rounded. It gave me a ton of perspective. And sometimes for a cast member in this world, the hardest thing to handle is the adoration and the love because you get such swelled up and you're, even right. if you are level-headed, your ego and your sense of self gets so distorted and then you're eventually going to get some criticism and then how you handle that is really sometimes challenging for a lot of people. And it really taught me a lot early on and really kind of gave me an even keel of It's hard experience. though. It's yeah. really hard. And I, that's one thing I, I have trouble, I have trouble having that empathy because I, I, as I said earlier, had this nice slow ascent you know, getting to a hundred thousand feet. And if you're a bachelor or bachelorette and you are Hannah, for example, who we just finished with is in Tuscaloosa and she's had a modicum of fame, you know, the, the pageant world and all mm-hmm. that, but this is different. She went from Tuscaloosa, Alabama to Jimmy Kimmel live. That's not normal. No, nobody and I don't care who you are, is prepared for that. And so mm-hmm. there it's is, surreal. It's there's surreal, always a yeah. bounce. And I always give this grace period because Hannah's about to go through it where your head's going to swell up. You're going to start feeling your oats. You change a little bit. But but by the way, you have to change. Yeah. That's when you, it has a negative connotation when you say she changed. Well, you got to. People say that about me when yeah. I grew up. It's like, oh, you're different. Well, yeah, because I had to learn how to protect my family. I had to learn how to protect my privacy. I had to learn how to protect my money. My life is not the same that it was when I was drinking beer with you in Oklahoma City. It's it's a different world. Mm-hmm. I would like to think that as a man, I'm I'm still the same as far as my beliefs and being a Core good person. Values, yeah. Yes. But you have to change. So Hannah's going to change. You know, she's hanging out with Demi Lovato now. Yeah. Well, <laughs> she wasn't doing that three weeks ago. The hardest, <laughs> the hardest part about the lead or just any cast member on The Bachelor who has who's a fan favorite is that six to 12 months period when it's all done. Because right, you know, to your point, she's hanging hanging out with Demi Lovato. She's having fun. Everyone wants a piece of Hannah. And slowly over time, less and less people will want a piece of Hannah. And like figuring out what everyone wants to do. And I was, you know, I was talking to Tyler. We were talking to Tyler after the podcast. And it was just kind of like, listen, you seem like a great guy. You, You have people around you. Yeah, I think his mm-hmm. sports background is really, really going to help him. It does. Um, 
but it's what do you want to do? You need to figure that out because you'll be able to w- ride a wave for six yeah. to 12 months. But after that wave is Well, you done, have to remember in September, I'm about to introduce 25 to 30 more Hannahs to the world. Yeah. yeah. And that's the truth. Yeah, we, we have another season coming up. And um, But it's funny you mentioned that because I thought about that with Colton too, is having that sports background. He played in the NFL. So obviously he's a little media savvy and he has a good head on his shoulders. I feel like Tyler's the same way. And um, you know, people's backgrounds definitely help them. Um, but even for Colton, man, it's, it's a rude awakening. It's a different world mm-hmm. because you really are all of a sudden being noticed everywhere and you feel great about yourself. And you mentioned something interesting. I guess the highs are higher, but I guess the lows are lower for you guys. I don't have that. I don't get that when people rip on me or tear me apart and tell me I'm ugly or I have a big nose or whatever. I don't feel that you I know. could care less, but for you guys, you know, you have this adoration, but man, one comment can really tear you apart. It really, it really can. And again, sometimes I feel lucky too because I had the negative comments first. <laughs> you did too. So the, <laughs> you, no, you could only was, go higher. It was <laughs> I was on paradise, and it was like this is great. They were yeah. like take you know, and um, it was kind of a, a a joke that way. But it, I did really appreciate that aspect of it because it it gave me some of that balance. I mean, it, it was different because you talked about kind of yeah. a real even keel where. The, for cast members, it's usually up or down, but it made me at least be able to, like, for me personally in my own mental state, kind of acknowledge it. Right. Even when I would respond emotionally in my head to something, I had the awareness to be like, you know, when, you know I've talked, you know, other cast members, everyone thinks this. And I was like, what do you mean, 30 people comment on your Instagram? So that's right. not everyone. Yeah. Um, and, and also, yesterday, they all like something else you did. People well, you have, have to remember memories. that social media is the loudest. Yes. And that's why we don't run the show via Twitter or Instagram or anything else, because it really is just the, like most normal human beings, A, aren't even on Twitter or social media and B, they don't care enough to comment. They're just living their lives. That's a great point. They just mm -hmm. don't, most people don't care or have the time. I mean, they love the show. They like watching and that's, you know, even going on to spoilers and stuff like that. We, we get so caught up in things and it's like, no, the majority of people don't, they don't know. They don't care. They're just watching this for entertainment and they're not caught up in all of the the BS that's going on in LA, New York or whatever. Mm -hmm. One question I do want to ask you before we get to our little little game. As a two-time runner-up, I always wondered, and I had this conversation once with JoJo way way back when, uh, the challenge of being the host yeah. and in a runner-up situation, the engagement the last final day. Yeah. I didn't have that experience with Andy, but I had it with Caitlin. Right. I remember JoJo, we were kind of joking around, and she's just like, that motherfucker winked at me. Yeah, and she I knew- says I winked at her. I still don't know if I oh. did that, and if I did, definitely not intentional. Not in- okay. I was curious about that. Like, I will say this yeah. before I have you answer the question. I, cast members in America sometimes will criticize the show and producers, and you fall kind of under that umbrella yeah, as well. In, in terms of, of oh, I can't believe they're able to do this. There are moments though, but like I will the number other. Th- few exceptions, but usually the best thing that can actually happen to you as a cast member and you don't realize in the moment is getting heartbroken, is getting dumped. That's like the best thing in terms of everyone's great moment. The other 29 people who don't right. get picked, there's just like, oh, you know, they have feelings and people empathize. You feel stupid in the moment, but that's your best moment. And so sometimes as cast members or America will get mad at them, but you're actually doing a lot of good things. The Caitlin breakup, how could she let me go that far? I realize after the fact, 
had the producers not insisted to make sure like you need to let him try to do this, even though like mm -hmm. he's going to be mad at you, it was the best thing to, it was my best moment up until that point. Is that something that you like, have gotten good with of like knowing that in that moment, someone's going to be heartbroken or mad or sad or, and you have to like have that poker face? Yeah. It's easily the most difficult part of the show for me because at that point I've gotten to know you. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when you are one of 30, I'll be honest, I don't remember you if you're on night one and, <laughs> or even night two and you go home unless you've made a big impression somehow. But at that point, there's just so much. You're drinking from a fire hydrant at that point. Yeah. <laughs> Once we get to the end, you know, I've traveled with Nick. We've worked out together. We've done all this stuff. And so, you know, I know JoJo and I care for her. And so when they walk up that final day, it is it is hard. But I, I have to just resign myself to the fact that this is part of the show. And to get to the good part, we got to get through this. And not everyone's going to win. Not everyone gets a ribbon. Some people lose in life and that's the way it goes. And, and it's at the end of the day, it is better. It is for the best. and It is part of the show. Um, and that's kind of what everyone has signed up for. It is yeah. the, the chance to, to find it. And whether you know it at the time or not, you weren't meant to be with that person. Totally. And, well, and that's just, that's, and, and you see that later, but it's tough in the moment. Totally. And not to equate you guys, uh, the producers or Chris with God, but it's a lot of like, sometimes uh, what you don't get right. is the best thing, the unanswered prayer, so to speak. And, so, and then producers always know what's going on behind the scenes. And you think there's something there. I'm Andy and Caitlin, both great. I'm thankful they didn't pick me. It worked out for the best. Um, and that's, that is the challenge. If you but, could have ended up with one of them looking back, who would it be? Ooh. I really don't think you I got to pick. He's going to squirm. <laughs> yes, look at him. I, no, I, sincerely, I have, uh, I have fond memories of both. Andy, the other day on Monday night, she sends me a text out of nowhere. And it was the picture of us at AFR when I, Drop the sex bomb. Yes, and she sends me what a was photo. Your sex bomb. I he said. I mentioned. He I'd rather, said. <laughs> yes. If you didn't love, love me, me, why did you make love, love. to me? <laughs> I wanted to Come make on, the show, name. That's of this money. Head? That's gold. Oh, uh, I well, I remember because you've said that to me in the. Uh, oh wait, what? No, not no. Oh. reenacting. Oh, I, I got have it. A, I'm a new. I'm a new um, viewer of the Bachelor shows. Um, welcome to the. Nation. I wanted to make the name of the podcast "Making Love with Nick Vial." Yeah, he did not like it. Um, I try to. You know, listen. It's. I don't. I guess I do. Regret okay, so it. three women you've been with yeah. on the show: Andy, Caitlin. Who else? Name one more that you kind of dated. What, or oh, Vanessa. Oh, Vanessa. Sure. Okay. Who would it? F. Mary Kill. Come on. Go. Yay! Do it. You have to. <sighs> no, I can't. <laughs> I, I, I can't. I can't. That, I'm not gonna. I, that's that is definitely. That's a headline. That's an ET headline. Hundred percent. It is. Nick. Fuck. Mary kills. His, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, no. Andy sent me a text. She, she's like, this was five years ago, and it just it made me smile. Just that we're on this good page, Andy. Like Andy and I joke about it's easy for us, even is we don't have a, like a close relationship. We still butt heads and fight. We're big personalities that way. Yeah. And like, and, and you guys would not be good together. No, terrible. Caitlin, at the same time, I also have a lot of like, there's reasons why I went far. There's reasons why I loved them in the moment for those reasons. And that Caitlin's funny and snarky. It was always, we could rift off each other. 
But at the same time, I don't think there was a, a match there. It's hard for me to answer that question yeah. because I know them well well enough now and I know why we didn't end up together. So like to answer that question would be disingenuous. I, 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 just, I know it. I do too. Yeah. I feel like you just do all three things to one person. No. No. Well, Chris, you can answer. Well, uh, Nick and Andy, here's the thing. The, Andy may be the F or the kill because they're going to kill each other. Yeah. Yeah. They're going to go. They just have this combustible relationship that <laughs> maybe while they're when you're young you and that's, that's it. one of those young relationships where you're like, Oh, this is great. And you're just con you know, you're battling, you're battling. Life doesn't need to be this hard. Yeah. No. Um, and, and, and when Andy texted me, we were laughing yeah. and it ended up us bickering over right. text. Exactly. It was <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't want to fight with you. I think you're great. Caitlin, I think would be your Mary. Oh, we would. Caitlin would always Caitlin be, would be your Mary. Yeah. yeah. Caitlin? So Caitlin's the Mary. Uh, and then it's Andy Vanessa who's going to kill and who's going to f. Well, kill Vanessa, you're going to you're going to f Andy. Sure. And then it's going to end in a just flames. <laughs> well, yeah, flames <laughs> for really sure. You really thought about this? No, I just invented it. Yeah, just invented it. <laughs> this is a fun game. Yeah, like look at him squirm. Yeah. Well, I, that's just not a question I can ever get away with actually Of course answering. it's not. No, it's like saying, um, "Hey, who's your favorite bachelor or bachelorette?" I'm like, what am I going to say? Yeah. No. Yeah. Um, what before? Oh, actually, I, I didn't. We ha, I haven't watched the Paradise yet. We mm. will, I'm sure, have covered it in our intro at right. some point. Give us. I mean, you know, a little. What's what? What are you excited for this season? Of course. Well, you know, like, what's why? funny. What's different? What's the same? Uh, I, you brought up something, and I wanted to mention this because it really struck me. Is is interesting with you? Is there's a Nick Vial? You, I feel like you really came in a changed man and really redeemed yourself and reinvented yourself on the Paradise. Mm -hmm. you, know, you think that's fair? Uh, yeah, I mean, to, to the audience, for yeah, sure. Yeah, I don't think yeah. you were a different human being, but I think the audience kind of fell in love with you. And I then you felt, became The Bachelor. I felt that. like, I, I mean, I was, still will say Paradise, if you go back and watch all mm -hmm. four seasons, Paradise is the only thing, uh, season where it's like, that's me as a whole. Yeah. You know, because Paradise allows you right. to Well, so, so Chris Bukowski is back this season. Okay. And he's kind of the Nick. Great. Like, oh. he really, I, you know, Nick, or sorry, Chris was, if you don't know him, kind of old school guy, kind of known for being the drunk, crazy guy. He's the guy at the bar that can, you know, all of a sudden knock a table over or start a fight or break everything. You know, it's like, that's, that's him. He's a good guy. And it's interesting. He kind of comes back this year and he's the wise old sage now <laughs> dispensing wow. advice. And you're going to see a different side of Bukowski. And he, we retired his Jersey. We thought he was done. We brought him out of retirement. Um, it's, but it's, he's an interesting story, but there are, it, I think it's our best season ever. It really, there's so many layers and so many good stories That's, to this season. It's it, pretty phenomenal. It gets better and better. I thought my season with Josh and Amanda was an epic season. It I was. thought last season, top, I liked, I objectively liked last season it just as, at least as much as my season. So it's exciting to, and I hear a lot of great things. Is there an opposite? Is there a bizarre, is there a fall from grace we might be able to, to see a little bit from someone who might be a, of a fan mm. favorite? And then Blake, not so much Blake. I've watch, watch Blake. Uh oh. Um, hey, put your hand in the cookie jar. <laughs> Enough times. I mean, I've heard some stories. <laughs> That's the thing. It's just like, and I kind of said this to Tyler after the show. Of Blake might be a a, a tale you tell to former cautionary tale. Cautionary tale yeah. of a lot of the guys. It's different for the women. They have it's it is easier for women in this world in terms right. of what opportunities afterwards. Oh, 100%. 100%. Um, it's better for women to come off the show. For the just men, for brands and everything brands, else. Brands, but it, but the men in public get the 
you know, women are watching the show. So it's a lot of like, oh my God. And a lot of attention, a lot of attention. And then there's like bar opportunities and stuff like that. And you really have to know what mm-hmm. to say no to. Um, and there, Blake's not the first person who uh, was loved in his first season and, and, and had some warts afterwards. And that yeah. doesn't make them bad people at all. It's just. And in all fairness, again, yeah. you go back to who I, you know, who was Blake? Where was he from? And then all of a sudden, you know, he, and it's not that he's a, he was an unattractive guy and, and we don't even have to use Blake, any of these guys, they're all decent looking guys. They probably dated, but they never walked into a bar before and the music the stopped. The whole room turns. Right. And every girl there wants to take a selfie and wants to be with them in some way. That's different. You know, these guys came from total obscurity, never had that popularity or they wouldn't have been on our show in the first place. And so now they have that modicum of fame and it goes to your head and it can also go to your head. It really is so interesting <laughs> because historically, Pun like, intended. <laughs> historically men aren't Thanks as, for picking up what I was laying down. Yeah. <laughs> I'm picking up everything. Yeah. Men aren't as, you know, overtly objectified in public. And what you're saying for you bachelor kids, it's like you come out and all of a sudden men are being very, and I love to objectify men, so you know, do don't you? Yes. Um, but it, it's it's a unique phenomenon yeah, of your bachelor way, yeah. nation. Well, I just think too, you're just you are you're pulled from obscurity and you're yeah. given this platform, and now you are the popular guy, and you're you've never been the popular guy before mm-hmm. to that level. I was uh, I was first time I met Blake. We we're in Vegas for the iHeart, and I gave him a hard time. He was feeling it. He was feeling it. He was, mm. I was just like, you need to slow down, man, because we were in a, <laughs> we were in a cab together. And then, like, I can give him some kind of some slack, but like, we got to a stoplight and there was a crowd of women, and he rolled down the window. <gasps> oh boy. Stuck his head out. And I was just like, because he knew the reaction he was going to get. He was, he wanted people oh, wow. to, you know, and, and that was just, I, and again, I, having been in it for a while, and I'm sure you do as well, like, I want to have, I want to see people have success. I right. don't want to see people make some mistakes that I know they're bound to make. And it's just like, if I have the opportunity, I'm just like, don't do this. This is a teachable moment. This is gonna like, I get it, but like try yeah. not to. And I, listen, I've, part of that is making my own mistakes too and of having course. done it and, um, and, and live through it. But it's, it is tough and, and the men get objectified a, a little bit. And I try to do this for, you know, and you can vouch for it is, you know, when the bachelors and bachelorettes leave me, you know, they all have my number. We text, I try to keep in touch. And at first they don't because they're all smarter than I am. They're, they've all, you know, figured the world out. And, and then they all usually come back and go, okay, can you help me with this? So I'm like, you know, if you ever need advice, you're about to be inundated with a lot of things, you know, but we have a great network of mm-hmm. people now and not just me, but also fellow bachelors and bachelorettes that have been through this before. And you should rely on them because they've made the mistakes you're about to make. It's kind of like listening to your parents. You don't. And then you make a mistake. You're like, damn, I should have listened to them. Yeah. Um, and and so I I give Blake and all of them slack because they're getting into a pool they've never been in before and it's super fun and it's great. Their lives are changing. So enjoy it. And they're not bad people. No. And we all make some dumb mistakes. Totally. You are, you can be intimidated though sometimes. That's sometimes that we don't reach out. Really? I, yeah. I mean, by the time when I, when I, not, not, not by your doing. Right. You're Chris Harrison of The Bachelor. It's a, it's a it's at this point the bachelor franchise is a part of american culture and you're the face of it and when i met you it was 
I, I was meeting a big celebrity and I didn't even watch the show that right. much before. But once your season, once we kind of got into the meat of your season, you and I are jogging every yeah, day. Totally. Running with him is like running with an effing gazelle. Oh, wow. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. <laughs> it was really, side note, side story. So we're in New Orleans. And so Bennett, again, our executive producer who I work with closely, and Bennett played college soccer. I played college soccer. Nick ran. So we're all fit. We can all run. We'd go for like a four-mile run. And, you know, just to wake up and clear the cobwebs and we'd be jogging we'd be going at a pretty good clip. And all of a sudden Nick's like, you know what? I kind of want to stretch my legs out a little bit. We're like, okay, we'll pick it up. And Nick's like, <laughs> in less than 20 seconds, it's like a half mile ahead of us. Oh, wow. <laughs> like I never, like he was shot out of a cannon. And for like 10 seconds, I tried to keep up. <laughs> And I really had that old man moment where I'm like, son of a bitch. <laughs> but the good news is I could never do that. I could never run. Right. That's a different gear. That was impressive. I Well, it's, thank you. I mean, I did run track, but also like I am getting older too. And I've you've told me about that moment. And now when I'm out there running, I'm feeling yeah. like my ability to do that less. The only other person that did it to me Colton. was Colton, yeah. who, Colton who was athlete. also an elite professional yeah. athlete when we were jogging in like Thailand or something like that. And he just took off. I'm like, oh, screw it. <laughs> he's, but he, you know, he's 26. I yeah. Mean, I was doing that when I was 36. Well, I don't think I was doing that when I was 26 either. <laughs> That's the thing is all, you know, on the show, all these guys are so big. They're all fit. They're tall. And, you know, it's one of the things when people see me, they're like, you know, you're not as short as I thought you were. I said, no, I'm just next to, I'm the opposite of Hollywood. Usually in Hollywood, you stand next to Tom Cruise. Right. Tom's four foot no, two. Mm -hmm. they, they only cast guys that are like over six. It's right. amazing how like every guy I meet, I'm like, they must have, like, there's a few, but like I, the 30 guys, 25 of them are six, two or high. That's the great thing I, I love most about Ari. It's probably why he's my favorite bachelor. <laughs> is uh, he looked older than me. He had more gray hair. He had a dad bod. I'm like, I can do this. Sweet. I'll sit next to you all day, man. Oh, man. <laughs> Chris, Chris becomes the uh, hottie of the season. Now. Yeah, I'm like, finally. I'm the young, good looking one. <laughs> all right, Chris. We're gonna, before we let you yes. go, we're going to play a little game called Do You Know Me? Okay. It's a fun game we like to play with. Is this Do I Know You or Do You Know Me? Do We Know You. Oh, okay, go. Does America, does uh, So you ask a question, everybody in the room answers it. Yeah. We well eventually you're gonna answer. Okay. I'm gonna you know but, but you give me your opinion first. Yeah. We're gonna guess. Okay, go. Blue. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. So do you know me? Do we know Chris Harrison? First question. Has Chris ever been in a fist fight? Ever mm -hmm. in his life? I'm gonna say a big no. I'm gonna also say no. I'm gonna say yes. Ah. He's in He's broken up some for sure. No, I'm talking I'm like seven years old, Oklahoma. No. He's, like, you don't. Yeah. No, he I'm wore gonna, a suit, he just I'm said. I'm going to say yes. I grew up in Texas and went to school in Oklahoma. Yeah. He's been oh, in a fist fight. He did? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Oh, he's got some But edge. I will say, and, and it's funny, Lauren asked me this a while ago. She's like, when was your last fist fight? I said, it was college. It was a long oh, time college. ago. Ooh, well, because I played hot. soccer. We had some brawls in college. And, you know, you have those fraternity brothers that get you in fights. So the college was it. You know, I'm not, I was never the grown adult that was in a fight yeah. or getting into fights. No, that's what I, yeah. See? Wow. And definitely when I was yeah. a kid. I answered this question. Grade school. Ever. I was in some, my brother used to get me into fights because I had an older brother and he would argue with his friends. And he'd be like, my brother can kick your ass. Chris, fight. I said, I don't want to fight. He was like, kick his ass. And, like, and you're a kid in Texas. You're just like, I would you be in a fist yeah. fight with a person I didn't even know oh, for no reason. No. Uh, Welcome to Texas. Wow. Uh, see? Mm -hmm. Has Chris ever binged an entire TV show in a single day? 
I'm no. gonna say no. I'm gonna, gonna say no. Yes, he's got a really cushy job now. He's got some free time. I'm You're implying say yes. that he while well, the I'm not cushy saying he time, hard. But he's still you work- said entire show, correct? Entire season. Entire, 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 entire season. season of a show. When binging became popular, I think Chris was too busy to ever, and he had, mm-hmm. also a father mm-hmm. of two. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna say no. Yes. In a single day? No. Yes. Uh, an entire season? Oh. Close. Yes. O- only yeah. because no, yes, here's the caveat, sure. here's the cheat. I had never watched Game of Thrones. Yes. And so I finally got on Game of Thrones and, and I was on like a 12, 14, 16 hour flight, that, you know, flying over. And it happened, just happened this season. Wow. So I, I'm I'm the loser that just started Game of Thrones. <laughs> I haven't seen okay. it. Okay. You're just, so lucky. I'm jealous of well, you. Everybody was freaking out about the finale. I'm like, okay, I'm going to dive into I it. I haven't seen it. So you didn't complete a first season, no. a full season. But so, and great. I still haven't even finished <laughs> it. So I'm bad about finishing things. <laughs> I'm taking the points, though. What are you talking about? Okay. Lauren, it's one to one. Lauren, well, here's the here, here's the real story. Lauren watched it. Lauren was into it, and so she kind of forced me into watching it. Oh. Now I'm addicted. Has Chris ever been to a nude beach? Uh, yeah. I'm gonna say yes. I don't think he was nude, but I think he's been to one. I think he was nude. I think he was there, and he was nude. Um, kind of. Yeah, I've stumbled <laughs> on, but I wasn't nude. I didn't get nude. Oh. But I've been to a nude beach just because we've traveled so much. I'm gonna say, the as the host of the show, yeah, yeah, yeah you've been to everywhere. It is, and it's just never the people you want naked. <laughs> no, never. No, it's never. <laughs> Can Chris do 25 push-ups yes. in a single rep? Yes. I'm gonna say yeah. I'm gonna say no. 100. percent Oh, sorry. Chris, yeah. 25. That's a, not crazy. 25. Is a lot. I like this question. These uh, these cobras are hidden under this <laughs> shirt, but I am pretty fit. <laughs> Did Chris cry at the end of Marley and Me? Never, I've never Have seen, you seen it. it? Okay. Never Has seen Chris it. ever end at the end of the note? Had Chris cry at the end of the notebook? Yeah. I cry. <laughs> I I probably what? could count on one hand the amount of times I cried before I had my daughter. My daughter's 15. Aww. Now I cry like a baby. Aww. At movies or in general? Everything. I, I'm a movie matter. crier. I can cry at a commercial, movies. I really cry. It's dad. The dad stuff gets me now. Um, Rudy. Oh, Rudy. Rudy. Uh, Rudy. Even stupid stuff like for love of the game and, and uh, Field of that Dreams. Like, dad, you want to have a catch? I'm like, Boo. Yeah. No, Aww. moments in Your movies get me. Uh, when you're da- it's now the daughter stuff, the daughter getting married. You know, you just think, oh, walking your daughter down the aisle. Mm. I'm, I'm, I, now, I, now I cry, cry. Like even at... And I'm not so ashamed to say, but like at my birthday, like a couple of weeks ago, I was speaking to friends and all this stuff. And I'm like, I started tearing I up. I would like so to see sweet. Chris Harrison cry. Why don't they show you crying on The Bachelor? He doesn't have, he doesn't I don't have time for that. <laughs> he's too, everyone else is sobbing. Yeah. He's like, guys, guys, stop. Um, I like this one. Has Chris ever, don't answer right away, Chris. Has Chris ever been stood up on a date? I feel like he got married so young. He doesn't date much. <laughs> I say no. I'm going to say yes for fun. I'm going to say no. I can't think of exactly when, but sure. Yeah, it has to have happened. Oh, Over the last okay. eight years. No, I feel like you remember. In LA? It wasn't, it wasn't, Dating, yeah, it wasn't, in LA? Yeah. yeah Sorry. Rough. Yeah, definitely. Very rough. It would have been, and obviously I started dating when you guys were born, and so that's when I got married. So it wasn't pre then, it was post-divorce. Oh. I, had some, I had some weird stories. Oh, I wish we had time. Oh, I, don't, I can't get into them. There's, I'll write a book someday. <laughs> I didn't want to bombard him. He was yeah. kind enough to share with, with Lauren. <laughs> uh, has Chris ever bought a pregnancy test? A what? A pregnancy test. Well, yeah. 
<laughs> I have two kids. I don't know. Maybe, maybe like not post divorce. <laughs> what about pre? pre what about pre first marriage? Well, my wife and I bought a pregnancy test because we were wondering if she no, was I, pregnant when we were trying to have kids. Yeah, so hundred percent. I bought many because uh, then, when, then when you think you are, especially your first kid, we bought like ten. <laughs> what about before you ever met your first wife? No, okay, that wasn't a thing. Probably because no one would sleep with me. <laughs> that's, how, that's why I got on TV. Uh, last question. So softball. Does Chris prefer vodka over tequila? Tequila. He prefers tequila is my vote. Uh, so no. Vodka. I'll just say vodka. It's from Texas. Oh, I'm going to say vodka. Well, you're, you're all right. <laughs> but you're right. <laughs> I used to be a vodka guy, but now I'm a diehard tequila guy. Uh, diehard? I'm now. a big tequila fan. Mm. Yeah, I've really got... Like in terms of like a, from a connoisseur standpoint. Yeah, I love my tequilas. I love... I have certain tequilas I really love. And, you and The Rock. Yeah, you guys yeah. aren't sitting beside him. I am. Yeah. And there's a tequila aura. At, I'm yeah. just kidding. He doesn't smell like tequila. Another thing Lauren and I share. We love our tequila. Well, Chris, I know you have to be on your way. I really appreciate you taking the time. It's been fun. You're always a great interview. You're a better interviewer, but a great interview. Only because wow. it's a profession. Well, no, that was like... <laughs> I'm, I'm like an A interviewer. I'm like a B minus interviewee. <laughs> I agree with he's that. He's really... I think no, you're five he's, stars across the board. Thanks, Chris. Can I... I was trying to compliment on his <laughs> interviewing skills. It wasn't that... Uh, people are going to love this episode. Yeah. Yeah, we don't... I don't think a lot of people... People, you've become this en enigma... Uh, you, your your job is to get America to know us as cast members all the time. And, you know, people are always looking to get to know you more. So I really thank you for your time. You want to tell people about your restaurant in, in Texas? Quick? Yeah. Hey, if you're in Dallas, uh, a little side project. It was a passion project, uh, Steam Theory Brewing. It's in Trinity Groves, just outside of downtown Dallas. Uh, I'm from Dallas, which is why I set up some roots there. Um, it's awesome. Really, like really. And by the way, today, International Beer Day. International hey. Beer Day. We have like 22 beers on tap. We've got a great brewmaster, great food. Go in. And on Mondays and Tuesday nights, go in for Bachelor, Bachelorette, Bachelor in Paradise nights. Oh, we sell fun. the place out. It's oh, awesome. Oh, my God. So fun. Yeah. Say the name of it again. Steam Theory Brewing. Steam Theory. Dallas. In Dallas, Dallas Texas. Texas. For those of you living there and all the people who don't live here are listening, when you're visiting Dallas, make sure you check it out. And if I'm in town, I'm always there. I do. I hang oh, out. I can't wait to check it out. A lot of the Bachelors out. and Bachelorettes in Dallas swing by. It's cool. Awesome. And it's he was talking about how he loves natural habits earlier. Yeah, I was going to get a plug in because well, cause we have it going next to you. I love that. It's like you're in, in every episode, in Chris. People um, think someone's vaping next to you. <laughs> but you were nice enough to send me a an assortment, uh, an accoutrement of, of your flavors and your smells. Um, and I have it by my bed. It's really good. I have the, what is it, the quiet? The release? Part. Yeah. At night, and I have it on. My daughter loves it, and so, yeah. and I was just I was apologizing because I use it, and I was going to post something. And you don't I'm, need to post, and this. I just got lazy. It's fine, and I didn't do it. <laughs> I You're busy, like a, and I felt like a dick. It's fine. <laughs> NHOils.com. <laughs> it is good though. Congratulations um, all right, on all your endeavors, man, and and the podcast and everything. I'm, I'm I. It does me well and makes my heart swell when I see that people from our show have become such good men and women and go on and do great things. And I I wish everybody great success as they head out and do stuff. And like Jordan and JoJo just started their new show, yeah, their new and show. I, you know I reach out because I'm like I. It, it makes me feel good. I want to see you guys do good. I want to see you guys make a crap load of money and have good lives and meet people. Same. 
but right back at you. Yeah. You're, he's a, he's, a, he's been a great mentor for all of us and he's been a great friend. So I, thanks for again, taking the time. It's uh, it means a lot and, uh, Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Chris yes. Harrison, everybody. Stick around for questions. Stick around for questions. What's your time with Nick? Let's ask Nick your sexy questions. Hi, Amber. How are you? I'm good. How are you guys? I'm good. I'm Nick. This is Shug. Hi. Rochelle's here. Just hanging. Hi. <laughs> okay. Um, so I'll give you like a little brief story to my question before. So my mother-in-law actually set my husband and I up three years ago because I worked with her and okay. everything was great throughout the whole dating phase. But once we got engaged, it became like a nightmare. She was like so controlling of the wedding. And so was my mom because, you know, they were paying for it. But it got to the point where, and this is totally on me, I went through my fiance's phone and I saw that she... Um, I sent a message to him saying, like, don't marry her. Um, <gasps> if you marry her, you're going to marry into her family's baggage. And, like, just totally criticizing my character. And it, like, hurt because she set us up and I worked with her for two years. So you'd think, like, oh. she'd be really excited to have me. And so we ended up postponing our wedding. People, like, our friends don't know about that, of why. We just said it was because of school. And so we ended up eloping this past December. But I actually... So you got married. Out, you're, you are married now. We're married now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We're married now. But okay. I actually ended up calling her out on some of the things I heard her tell our coworkers saying like, she's a manipulator. She's a liar. She fabricates her stories. And when I called her out, she was like, what are you talking about? Like, I never like, who would say those things? And I'm like, oh. well, well, how do you know she said those at work? So uh, I had asked my husband, I said, who did you hear these things from? Because I've used people from work for references. And he goes, it was actually my mom. I was too scared to tell you that it was her who said them. And well, how so did your I husband hear of something? Like, where did this come from originally? Like, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like you, you used, you're looking for references from work, but like something came up and your husband's like, you know, like what's the story that so you, you knew people weren't we saying moved, nice things? So we moved to Utah for his master's program. Okay. And we, it was the first time I have ever lived with someone that wasn't family. And it was the first for him to live with a girlfriend. And so we were just at each other all the time. Like This is before oh you God, were married? Well, we were still engaged. Okay. And so it just got to the point where like we both were confiding in our families. But his mom would say things to people at work saying like, oh my gosh, Amber's such a bad person. Like, She's starting fights, and it was like, I'm not starting fights. We're just trying to learn to live with one another, if anything. Wow, but, so she was interjecting herself into your relationship in so many different ways, and you said that you saw text messages, too. So you have proof. Yeah, you know exactly. that she's been talking like this. It's so interesting because I, I feel like so many times when a person is like, oh, you know, she's manipulative, she's a liar, she's this, she's that, it sounds like your mother-in-law is actually those things, and she's projecting them on well, people, you. People do that. A lot. So where are we now? So we are at the point where she still, oh my gosh, it's like, I get really frustrated being around her because I have to watch what I say. And he's called her out like, why don't you like her? And she's like, it's because, you know, she takes you away from me. And I'm the one that encourages that the honest. time we go over there and see them. But yet she focuses it all on herself. So I feel like she's the one who's not spending the time with her son and getting to know sure. me on a personal level. Mm -hmm. How, uh, how, how old are you two, the two of you? Um, I knew you were going to ask that because I listened to your podcast. We are 24. Okay. <laughs> and is this your first, is this his first serious relationship? 
Um, so he's been in three relationships, and I'd be the third. And then I've been in two, and he's my second. Okay. Um, I mean, it's tough, right? Because yeah. um, I think we kind of know what's going on to like what what Shug pointed out, but it's not so much how understanding what's going on, but kind of I'm guessing your question is like, what do you do about it? Exactly, um, because honestly, if it was up to me, I'd probably like call her out on everything, but I want to be respectful because it is his mom and she is my mother-in-law. Question for you. So you guys eloped, you said, right? We eloped, but we included our parents and our siblings because I really wanted my dad to be there and my mom and he wanted his siblings. Okay, so that's good. I was wondering if like who was there, who was not there, because maybe there could be yeah. some... Uh, resentment towards that uh how did her how did the parents feel about the eloping um so his mom was all for it in the beginning and then she doesn't like my family and it hurts because they used to be really close and they like the same football team but at our brunch we had she just seemed so mad the whole entire time and then when we got our photos back she's pissed off in every single photo and i can't get my wedding photos back is she is uh, is he uh, the oldest son yeah, we both are. Okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, listen, this is kind of one of those classic cases of mom. Like, it's interesting. I Like, I have a really close bond with my mom. I'm the oldest boy. I always feel like there's something about a, a mother-son uh, relationship and a father-daughter relationship that yeah. seems to be unique. And most of them, I think, are healthy and normal, but sometimes not so much. I mean, unfortunately, like, there's not much you can do. Um, okay. I, you know, I, I think it really needs, I think what you can do is you need to like keep asking your husband to support you because it really has to come from him. At some point, he really needs to stand up for you and have your back. And he really, like, he needs to put his mom in her place, so to speak. And she needs to like, she needs to really realize that she, like, because right now she's doing it because she, she's doing it because she knows she has an influence over him. She knows yeah. as his mother that she's been doing this his whole life, that she can guilt him and things like that. This happens in families. I mean, I have, I won't get into specifics, but even family members where, you know, their parents and not necessarily my immediate family, but like, I know people in my family that parents can sometimes do that. It's a controlling thing. They have a way of guilting sometimes. And sometimes as we get older, um, they forget that we are adults and can make our own decisions. And mm -hmm. it just comes down to him really having your back. And I think you just need to, and I don't know, it sounds like maybe he's done a pretty decent job, but he, he's totally like put her in place saying like, knock it off. She's my wife. What's the issue with her? Like, I don't get why you constantly put her down. She's, you know, done mother's day gifts for you, birthday gifts, Christmas gifts. She picks those all out, but it, yet it comes back and the blame's all on me. I think it's, Go ahead. Do you have any interest of, A, I, I always think that we have a place to say to the other person what's affecting mm -hmm. you. And like, I, I, I know you don't want to bring it up because it's your, your husband's mom and it's your whatever. But mm -hmm. at a certain point, I think like human to human, you could, you know, have a one-on-one -on -one date with her. Like, let's be like, hey, let's go get our nails done and, and have a minute where you're like, I got to admit, like, this is just not the relationship I was hoping for with you. And like, I think you're amazing. And, you know, buffer her up do what you need to do <laughs> and then just be like, I just want us to move forward. How can we turn this around? What can I do? What can, you know, how can we do this? Because I think like she is looking to hold on to the relationship with her son mm -hmm. and the fact that she set you up and, 
had all of these ideas and she liked your family at first. And then it's almost as if her, her walls kind of shot up when she was like, oh shit, he's going to marry her. And like, this is it. And yeah. I lose my first son. So she's having like a complete panic and shutting you out and talking shit about you. Like she's being a child, right? Your, your mother-in-law yeah. is being a, a child. And literally, it, I think it is in twofold. And I loved your advice, Nick, of like, you need to be to your husband, like, yo, we can't, you cannot let her speak to me like this. And B, you need to, in your own power, gently like a woman, and you know how to, you know, manipulate the situation by taking her out for a soft afternoon and being like, listen, mom, like, we can't continue like this. But I, I wouldn't spend too much energy, you know, the fact that she did introduce you actually makes more sense than you probably realize because and this is a mom who's used to, like, running yeah. her son's life. So her introducing him to women that she seemingly approves of at the time. But just because they introduce you, she'd introduce you doesn't necessarily assume that you guys would get married. So kind of like it's, I, what I'm sure. saying is I wouldn't, if for you, waste a lot of energy trying to be like confused or understand that situation. It's just someone who's so used to running her son's life. And to your husband's credit, he is putting his foot down and yeah. she will keep doing it until she realizes she has no control. And there'll probably be some like period of like resentment and anger. And to and I think Shung makes a great point to to salvage that is to just to keep smiling and kill her with kindness. And if you are going to confront her, don't do it like in a work setting or where she can feel threatened and like you're coming yeah. at her. You're really going to have to like smile and like mm -hmm. Shug said, kind of manipulate the situation where you're just like, listen, I love your son and I hope you love me. Um, I'm not the person you seem to be, you know, but I do like, I don't appreciate you going behind my back, especially at work. Cause you can't keep doing that because it's not okay. And then, but you need a lot of support. I think you're, here's the thing to Shug's point. You're, you need your husband to play bad cop and you're mm -hmm. good cop, so to speak. Right. Yeah. And, and yeah. you get to present her, like you got to think about what she doesn't realize that she's missing out on. Right. This is a woman who clearly values like having a special relationship, having a place in her son's life, but what she seems to be overlooking and what you can in a very gentle and loving way present to her is that she gets to have another special relationship because she has a beautiful daughter now, you know, like there's, there's ways into that kind of mentality to be like, I just, I'm, I just want to love you. Let's make that, yeah. let's make that easy. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, if you guys start having kids, I mean, this is where your husband can play bad cop. Like, Hey mom, if you want a relationship with your grandkids, like you, you need to have a relationship with my wife. Mm -hmm. So well, and like we've talked about it, like my parents love and adore him and they even joke, like, we're so glad she's on your hands. And he's like, I love your family. I'm very comfortable. But with, he even notices with his family, there's a lot of tension and he hates having to be around them. And it makes me sad because I want, when we have kids, you know, to be good on both sides. Is it, is it like, is, is it just her and you? Is that the tension? Is, is mm -hmm. it, there's, and I mean, other than liking the same football team or is there religious differences? Like what's causing? Um, so gosh, so I grew up non-denominational okay. and she grew up LDS. And so she's never gotten like baptized to let him figure out his own path. And a lot of like his family is LDS. And so they pushed a lot of that onto him and he's like, I don't want to. And I'm like, I don't want to have this Mormon, a Mormon. Okay. So I don't, I like, I respect Mormons. I just don't agree with their beliefs. Is he religious? Sometimes Okay. when it comes like, Hey, aren't we all? So. Um, and she is, they are their family. She claims to be religious, but I don't, 
I don't see it. I don't see like God truly loving her for who she, like I don't see God in her heart. Sure. Well, I, I listen, I I've seen this before. My first girlfriend, I had to deal with this. Her mom was very intense. Um, I think if he's your husband, right. And you love him and it seems like your relationship's doing well and that's great. And I think this is one thing that it's going to take, it might take a a year or two. If you guys stay the course, she'll probably eventually soften up when she just kind of realizes she kind of, she's kind of being a, she's throwing a temper tantrum. She's throwing a fit. She's acting like a child and like childs most do eventually they just give up when they realize stomping and throwing a fit doesn't, doesn't get their way because they're used to getting their way when they do that. Mm -hmm. She's used to, yeah, she's used to, she's used to guilting her son and and throwing a fit and then he, he gives in and he's Mm -hmm. not, he needs to really stay the course and then you just kill her with kindness. Okay. I will definitely do that. Well, Thank you. Yes. Good luck with that. Yeah. And and just remember, it's a child. You're allowed to speak to them very slowly and like help them understand. Well, don't be All condescending to her. Parent. If I do that, I could get myself in trouble. Yeah. yeah. You good don't cop. have to do it. She's good cop. Yes. Yeah. Well, uh, nice to meet you. Thank you for calling in. Thank you. I, I'm like everyone probably tells you, I listen to you every day I go to work and oh. it makes my day so much better and I appreciate you letting me be on here to talk oh, to you. Oh, thank you. Thanks for taking. Thanks for sharing. Of course. And I did five stars. So. Oh, you're the oh, best. And yeah. let us know how it goes. Make sure to keep will, us updated. Definitely. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Hi, Ruby. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, too. I'm Nick. This is Shug. We have Rochelle in the room as well. Hello. Hi. Hi. Welcome. Welcome. How can we help you, Ruby? Thank you. So uh, I have an older sister mm-hmm. who's 42 and she's single 42 um, and kind of in our ethnic background, uh, kind of once you turn 30 as a woman, like your marriage prospects really um, are very minimal. Okay. And she, you know, she tried, we tried, uh, my husband and I tried, you know, setting up with people, her friends have tried um, and things just never worked out for her. And so she kind of gave up for a while. And uh, recently, she actually said that she kind of wants to try it again. Uh, And so I was kind of encouraging her to uh, kind of remove herself from our, like, ethnic background and try even people who, I mean, obviously, we're, like, Muslim. And you can kind of see that. And it's a very visible thing because we literally wear, like, our face Mm -hmm. on our sleeve. Um, And so it's something that she doesn't know how to do. And I don't know. Um, kind of if someone would even be attracted to that. And um, so my question to you is kind of what your opinion is and whether or not she should be going out and kind of venturing out into that type of realm who I feel like, you know, there are men who would consider someone who is her age with the possibility of not being able to have their own biological children. Um, And if so, kind of how to do that. Did uh, uh, great question and thanks for calling. Um, did you say she's thirty two or forty two? Forty two. Okay. Um, and are you guys, uh, when you say ethnic back, or so you're Muslim, like you said, you know, you it's you know you have uh, you know you you said you wear your religion on your sleeve, so to speak. Um, I mean, my opinion is. Uh, I grew up, you know, growing up very Catholic and it's not as maybe I mean, Christian, I guess in America is more socially, I guess, I guess acceptable. Yeah. Let's just be honest, like in terms of what it is. But I often think like, it, I think it comes both ways, right? There's certainly a lot of uh, stereotypes and uh, there's a lot of 
criticism in America, especially with Muslim religions, but at the same time too, like is religious people in general who want to start dating outside of the religion. In my experience, I sometimes feel like the fear is more, more on the, on your side where the question is, are there going to be men out there who would want to date your sister? Absolutely. Like 100%, there are going to be Christian and Jewish and non-religious men who might be open to your sister. I think the big question is when she starts dating these men who are, who don't have the same faith background and same, um, uh, just the same background in general, is she looking to bring someone in so to speak and kind of convert them or is she just trying to find a partner and then kind of go from there? I guess is my first question. So technically because faith is something that is important to her, Mm -hmm. um, like someone would have to just technically convert, but whether or not they are practicing is something different. Um, but as long as it's someone who would respect her, uh, I mean, she's pretty independent, you know, and she has been used to kind of doing her own thing. So as long as someone is respectful of that, um, I think she'd be fine with that. Yeah. Because if you're saying that in, in with, with your community that they're a little bit more, maybe, maybe a little bit more because you can, you don't have to be Muslim for, for men to sometimes stereotype older, older women. So let's not, you know, Same. Yeah, and I kind of want to separate the religion from it because yeah. it's more so like we're come from like an Indian and Pakistani background. Okay, um, and it's not like a really a religious thing because our religion actually says otherwise, but it's more of like a cultural cultural thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I think yes. There's to answer your question. There's plenty of men who would be interested in dating your sister. You know, I, and and does she is she really set on having children? Is that something that she wants, or is she? You know, you brought up, okay, are men going to be afraid that she can't have biological children? Listen, as an older woman myself, I'm in my late 30s and I'm single and I have my own opinions on, on children and how I want to invite them into my life and when and all of the rest of it. So I don't feel, you know, I don't feel handcuffed to the fact that maybe when I'm ready to have children, I can't do it biologically. That doesn't scare me whatsoever. And I also know that to some men, it's very important that they fall in love with and marry somebody who is at that peak breeding age. I get that too, but that's only one pocket of men. There's also men that I'm meeting and really like having wonderful conversations with that are on the same page as me about building a family and what that that can look like. It's it, There's just not only one idea of how to build a family anymore. And, you know, I think encouraging your sister to be empowered in that idea and to find people and to become very clear on what she wants so that she can put that into the universe so that she can communicate that to these men that she's dating. And I personally am an advocate for mixing everybody up. I, I, you know, I as far as background goes, as far as race goes, I really truly believe so wholeheartedly that humanity totally. needs to just mix, mix, mix but it other, all up. Other people aren't, you know, as much as say you and I in that category. No. But I do think it's important just to realize that it's probably those people that Suge is talking about that um, kind of have that mindset where they they don't really care if you're white, black, Hispanic, Indian, or whatever. Uh, religious backgrounds. Again, I, for me at this point in my life, I grew up very Catholic and very Christian. And I guess 
if all things being equal, that'd be fine. Or And I'm, I've mostly dated white women in my life. I grew up in a community that was predominantly white, but I don't have a preference. I just want to meet someone that I connect with and that I have these intimate moments with and I feel safe and, and I have this bond. And so that doesn't have a, 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 a skin color. It doesn't have a religious background. But if I meet someone and if it was really passionate to her to be Muslim, I mean, you know, whatever. I'm fine with it because that's not what I've, you know, at this point in my life, when I'm how I'm picking a partner. Um, I think there's just so many different ways to connect. So as long as your sister's open to it, I think she's going to be surprised how many men she finds open to it. Do open open to it at, at that point, and then after that, like figuring out how they work in a relationship, who's converting, who's not. You know, those are conversations you have to have. But the initial interest in terms of mm-hmm. just men being interested in your sister. A sea of men, I'm sure. It, and 32 is not old. She's 42. Oh, 42. But still. She's even, 42, yeah. But even at 42, because, yeah. It's kind of like where, I guess my question is also where she can kind of put herself out there just because, um, I mean, she's tried obviously like on, the online route and mm-hmm. just things haven't worked out. But, you know, but she goes to work and, you know, she kind of like has her normal routine. And so, beyond that she doesn't really come across anyone um so it's kind of like how can she really put herself out there um is she under certain restrictions is she, like her social at life is is it fairly active other than work is she a part of groups or organizations or or things that were single men might go to i mean you know, socially, if you're not going to do the dating app thing, um, and dating apps can be challenging that way because it's a lot about, there's probably going to be some stereotyping going mm-hmm. on there and that could be a challenge. But like if you're out there and they're getting to know your sister and they're meeting her and they're interacting with her and they're getting to know her personality, I think that can up your chances a lot. It's just her getting out there socially in whatever it, that is. It doesn't have to mean going to bars. It could be uh, even if it's like joining a recreational sports league, she doesn't have to be athletic. She doesn't even have to have like sports. She can just show up and be like on, on the bench. It's just finding different social ways that people are interacting outside of work and just expanding your, your area. If you work in the same place at the same time, the only new people you're going to meet are like new hires, you know, and that might not happen a lot. So it's just trying to find new ways to meet people. And there's a ton of ways by just joining different groups or activities or, or social circles. Volunteering is a, another way of doing it. Um, you know, you, you, regardless of your faith, you can volunteer at all different types of religious organizations and meet people. That's always a great way of doing it. Uh, fundraiser types of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and that would be my of, suggestion. Yeah. A lot of these apps are starting to do experiential. So it's like, oh, Bumble will throw a singles party at a local bar Mm -hmm. or whatever. And those ones are always great because it is hard to meet people online. And it takes a lot of being bold and a lot of kind of going out of your, it it feels like it's hard to make that energy connection. Totally understand that. So I would look out for like singles events in the neighborhood and, and things like that as well. Yeah. And I think it's great that she's she's trying to open up and not feeling the pressure of dating in her community. And you know, she might she might be one of those things where she tries that and then she still ends up meeting someone she's more familiar with. You just never know. Mm-hmm. But it's just getting out there and 
I'm a big believer in never giving up. You know, this idea that you said like she tried and now she's ready to get back out, back, back out there. I just think it's always important to keep yourself open. It doesn't mean you're like hustling and trying so hard, but you're just open to meeting people and not ever totally closing it off. Yeah. yeah. Great advice. Yeah. You, yeah. You never want to close doors and windows for rooms you hope to fill one day. Yes. You know? and, and please, as her sister, do her that great favor of not giving up on it either and encouraging her to keep faith and love. And it's it's all around us. So so be sure as her supporter to, to remind her that she's not too old for anything. I have an auntie who, um, she fell in love at 55. You know, she fell in love at 55. And, and that's just how her life story was. And she's the happiest lady in the world, you know? So just please, as her sister, be sure to encourage that. Okay, thank you. Well, well thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it. Thank you. Have You're welcome. Bye. Ooh, that's a, that's a tough one. I mean, I mean, the reality is, is like certain faiths and certain cultures have different standards. Um, and, you know, we're like, you know, we have such more of a progressive mindset out here and people, LA is, there's so much, it's more, more of a melting pot, but that's mm-hmm. not always the case. And I think mm-hmm. it is harder. Um, and even like, Shit, growing up in Wisconsin, you know, part of their joke is you moved out here when, you know, I was, you know, I left when all my friends got married. You know, Hannah talked yeah. about that yeah. when she was mm-hmm. here, like in the South, where yeah. it's just like, there's an expectation. And if you don't, and then you get, you you turn 30 and people start looking at you. And yeah, like, she wrote in the email, once you turn 30, that a girl doesn't have many options in I, my culture. And that just like makes me so upset. Sure, yeah. but that there's yeah, there's the, truth to it, right? Yeah. But it's, 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 it's also, not how it should be. No, it's yeah. not. But it's not just her culture. It's, yeah. it's. It's it's actually it's a Listen, lot. Listen, and it's true. It's society in general. The numbers do dwindle. That's that's a true fact. I no, think, but, but that it, doesn't make it hopeless by any means. I think that it's quality control. They're just getting all of the garbage out of the there's way. There's so much more value in women besides like what you can offer. Oh, you to- know, totally. But just in people in general, this idea of I mean, I get it all the time, right? As someone who like is probably most known for my dating life. I haven't done a question with Nick or post a picture of like a thirst trap where there isn't at least one. I don't understand why he's single. And that's meant to be some sort of compliment with like an ounce of criticism of like, well, what is wrong with you? Why are you single? Uh Uh, Maybe it's just because I've decided not to settle down because I haven't found the person I want to settle down with. That's not necessarily a bad thing. Somewhere along the line, we decided, like back 10 years ago, if you were uh, a a guy who's seemingly eligible, good looking, good working, and you were single in your 30s, it'd be, is he gay? You know, why is he? Like there had to be a reason, you know? And maybe the reason is you just haven't wanted to find your person. Single isn't necessarily a negative thing that we have a way of making it out to be. Uh, her sister's desire to meet someone um, is why you should be in a relation, not because you're afraid of being single. And then, yeah, listen, there's there's double standards all the time. But I love your idea of, you know, I when I started putting pressure on myself, I kept thinking to myself, I started having friends who had gotten married and divorced within the time span of me never being married. Mm-hmm. And listen, that happens. And no criticism there for people who shot their shot and didn't work out. But I would rather, whenever it is, to your point, meet that person and have that be the best relationship in my life and have maybe a 15, 20, 30 still year 
your successful relationship and hopefully marriage and maybe still you don't have to have kids that that's what I want. I don't need to get married three times just because I need to not the fear of like, well, why aren't you, how why aren't you have settled down? Why haven't you been married? Why don't you have kids? Like, hopefully we're all here for a while. You know, life is short, but you know, at the same time, get it right. So take your time and, and be patient. Mm-hmm. 